It's time for Windows Weekly. Paul Theroux here. Richard Campbell's here, and I'm here. I'm going to show you Windows 11 running on a Mac. Now official. Paul will give us his commentary, as will Richard. We'll also talk about more bad news for PC makers and Bing AI. Why people were a little, I think, over the top about Bing AI. That and a whole lot more. Plus, Richard gives us a tour of barley. It's all coming up next on Windows Weekly. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Windows Weekly with Paul Therott and Richard Campbell. Episode 817, recorded Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023. The moment of confusion. Windows Weekly is brought to you by ACI Learning. Tech is one industry where opportunities outpace growth, especially in cybersecurity. One-third of information security jobs require a cybersecurity certification. Where do you get one? Well, to maintain your competitive edge across audit, IT, and cybersecurity readiness. You just got to go to go.acilearning.com slash twit. Thanks for listening to this show as an ad-supported network. We are always looking for new partners with products and services that will benefit our qualified audience. Are you ready to grow your business? Reach out to advertise at twit.tv and launch your campaign now. It's time for Windows Weekly, the show where we cover the latest news from Microsoft with Pauly Therott, little Pauly Walnuts from uh, beautiful Laura McCungie, PA. He is, of course, at therott.com on the interwebs, and uh, and he is also a published author. On wow. what? How many books now? Mm, I lost count, but it's close many, to 30. Many, many books. His latest, The Field Guide to Windows 11, is at LeanPub. Leadpub.com. My, my latest isn't public yet, but that's the... Oh, and there's a new one. It's coming. coming. It's coming soon. That can't be called your latest until you've got a cover. Fine. Fine. <laughs> I have a cover for our uh, our newest show. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Very excited. Dan did this for me. Where is it? Where is it? Got to show you. Um, in our, uh, in our, in our twit, uh, forums. Oh, I don't have the thing I need. The thing I need, I have, and I have. Here it is. Are you ready for our newest show, ladies and gentlemen? This week in AI. There you go. I'm sorry, Dave. I can't do that. Is one of the co-hosts an AI construct? So, well, one of our staff members said, you know, we should just have an AI write it, produce it, voice it, and uh, yep. and push it. And we, then we don't have to do anything. Right. I like it. <laughs> it's just an automatic program. That's Richard Campbell on the right. He is a true Scotsman. <laughs> <laughs> and also uh, joins us from beautiful Coquitlam in the Great White North. Hello, Richard. Hello, hello. I have published exactly two books. One, they were both on visual basic end tier architecture because well, I feel after that, if you continue to make books, you aren't learning. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's you nailed it. That's good. It took me 13. Paul hasn't learned that lesson. I've uh, learned other lessons. <laughs> They're wrong lessons. Incorrect lessons entirely. Yep. So uh, Microsoft made it official. We have, I have yep. many questions. But uh, Microsoft made it official that you can. Is it is Windows on ARM out of beta now? 
Well, it's well, it's been out of beta for on PCs. Yeah, but I can no, only so run the way the beta this has worked is that yeah. So Apple, when they switched the Apple Silicon architecture, this broke all of the virtualization solutions. Right? They also got rid of boot camp. Um, right. So parallels, you know, Fusion appeared event, you know, quickly actually, and. The problem is you, well, you technically probably could, but they don't emulate Intel based operating systems like x86 uh, for performance reasons, right? So they can only emulate or virtualize ARM based systems. So the only way to acquire an ARM based version of Windows 10, now 11, was with the new computer, right? So the only way to get that thing on Parallels or Fusion on a Mac was to download the Windows Insider Preview version which meant you were on a perpetual upgrade cycle. You know, you'd have to keep up upgrading. And when I did it, and that was practically the beginning of the uh, Apple Silicon Max, I think. Yeah. Windows and ARM was kind of very much a work in progress. I mean, I couldn't even run some of the built-in accessory apps that Microsoft ships. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, uh, we've had some issues on the hardware side for sure uh, with ARM, but Windows on ARM itself from a software standpoint has actually matured pretty yeah, nicely. Over the yeah, so that was my reaction. I installed it uh, yeah. as soon as it was official. Yep. You have to uh, use run... Parallels, which is one of several uh, options on the mm -hmm. Mac. There's also VMware's Fusion, and there's, uh, right. I, I presume, VirtualBox and other. There's Kimu oh, and stuff. Yeah, but uh, I so I already had a subscription to Parallels. Well, you you want to see it? Yeah. You want to see me do it? Yeah. I mean, one of the nice things about Parallels is that they offer kind of an automated wizard for this process. They right? sure so, do. I was really surprised. Yeah. So, so what you're really, the real, the the big thing that's changed is that Microsoft now officially supports this. Right. So you can use a Windows license and apply it toward Windows and ARM. Right. So well, I should say with some caveats, right? So one of those caveats is it only works with pro or enterprise. So you actually have to spend. I have pro. It was 200 bucks. 200 bucks. 200 yeah. smackaroos. Could I have used somebody else, you know, somebody else? Yeah, I believe so. This is something I want to test. My uh, my Mac is in a storage container right now. <laughs> but, uh, mm -hmm. but yes, I will be testing that soon. I believe that you could just do it, don't buy it, uh, and then apply your key and it should work. It's just another version of Windows. Uh, so I blew it that then. Work fine. Yeah. Oh, well. The issue, by the way, still, I just, just real quick is, uh, and this is an issue for people who have uh, Microsoft or, um, you know, Qualcomm hardware is you still can't go somewhere on the web to, you know, windows.com or whatever and download an ARM-based version of Windows. That's still not a thing for some reason, uh, at least not officially. Hmm. Um, and I don't know, I would like to see that happen because one of the problems I have is I have a, an ARM machine that's on the Insider Preview and now it can't get out. There's no way to blow it away and just go back to stable. So I am now Anywho. playing, oops, Microsoft yeah, so, Solitaire, which was in the old days, that was... I don't want to be an Xbox Live. In the old days, this was kind of your test. Sure. Was how fast to deal the cards, right? Oh, I need a new game. Uh, let's do a new one here. Oh, it's not dealing them. I used to deal them. Oh, well. You know what you're like? F -f 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 well, by the way, this is so this might be one of the things that's problematic on ARM because I, I mentioned one caveat. Um, there you go. The other one is that there's some uh, issues with graphical apps, especially games. Yeah, this looks good. I don't have yeah, a problem. That's fine. There's no DirectX 12. There's no OpenGL. There's no Windows subsystem for Linux. There's no. There's a lot of no's. Well, you don't it, have like virtualization within virtualization doesn't work, right? So that anything makes that sense. requires yeah. virtualization, WSA, WSL, 
Windows Sandbox. This uh, seems pretty snappy, though. And this is only using 8 gigs of RAM, which is the default that so, it shows. Here's the. This is, this is a terrible thing to say out loud and to even contemplate. But there's been a myth over many years that you know the best way to run Windows is on a Mac. You know, like that's yeah. al- that's mm-hmm. always been nonsense. Yeah, I will say the best way to run Windows on ARM today actually is on a Mac. Right, uh, and that's it's it, it, it's bizarre that a virtualized version of Windows 11 on ARM runs better than Windows 11 on ARM does on Snapdragon hardware. But that's yeah. that's a fact. Is that just because the M1's that good? <laughs> Honestly, I have no idea why. You're saying that I, with yeah. tongue firmly planted know. in cheek, Mr. Campbell. No, I I, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty much of the camp that the best silicon made right now, the M1 and M2 chips. Yeah. I'm yeah. very happy with them. I mean, Intel has a faster i9, you know. Sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. If you're but willing so, to light the house, you know, and eat the yeah, house with it. You, you, yeah, you, and and their, their chip architecture has got much longer pipelines. Right. They have mm-hmm. two sets of pipelines, a, short one, a shorter one and a longer one. Like, yep. it's way more complicated instruction set it, right in, in oh, terms God. of given uh, for a given processing use you you do a lot more every cycle of an intel chip than you do in any of the arm chips right speaking of which uh I, maybe one of you guys know something about this that i don't i just uh i had a meeting recently that amd attended and somebody asked and the guy the, there are actually several guys from amd but they asked them they said hey are you guys ever going to do what intel is doing and do kind of a big well, not a big well a uh, former performance efficiency core type architecture and the guy guy who answered that question was a senior engineer of some kind laughed and said no why would we ever do that <laughs> and <laughs> well, I said well intel's doing it and he says yeah but we have we have our cores adapt so our cores can all be big or little or they can be faster efficient yeah. we, he said we don't have to do that and he says when you do do that what intel is doing you introduce all these inefficiencies and I'd have to look at my notes now because I don't remember exactly what he said they were. But uh, he, he said that it's going to take them a few generations to kind of get this right, which is interesting because I've kind of made that argument, you know, knowing nothing about it. But um, I kind of assumed like AMD would have to at some point do this too. But he, yeah. the way he Not, described it was no. no, no. The, it, the long pipeline is a trap that Intel can't get out of. Yeah, and, the, and that's why they did the short pipeline processor code to see how many workloads they could get over to there. Interesting. The, the okay. problem is that you, now you have a preprocessor that looks and says, could this run on a short pipeline? Because if it gets it wrong, oh, it'll get a fault be. and then have to re-execute on the long pipeline. Right. And this by the way, that's punishment. where Meltdown and Spectre come from. Yeah. Is, is, it, it, these long this pipelines. Is, so. This is punishment for making processors for 40 years. <laughs> yeah, right? Right. You've like, been really successful. Let's punish Legacy. Them. Yeah. yeah. But if you look at what they were trying to do with Itanium, they were trying to ditch the long pipeline. Oh, interesting. Because they've yeah, yeah, always right. tried to ditch the long yep. pipeline. And nobody <laughs> bought it, and we're still with x86. But it, well, no one bought it because the Itanium was the size of a Volkswagen. Well, yeah. it also was a little warm. And well, and it didn't so run anything. <laughs> yeah, like, there were yeah. a lot of problems. But uh, it was we were, big and heavy and slow, and it didn't run but anything. But no, that's why Cisk, wasn't successful. Cisk is, at this point, is Cisk seen as a kind of dead end, and Risk is the future? Well, uh, I, yeah, but it, 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 that likely was always true. The only case where this really made a difference, and this is me, you know, serving as an IT consultant. Yeah. Buying a hardware for SQL Server. And to get the same IOPS out of an, mm. uh, an Intel, pro, an Intel s- server took fewer right. processors than the AMD. Because of, concurren- of concurrency? Yeah, and the AMD had more processors available. So we got good yield on it, and the machines were less expensive. Yeah. But the licenses cost more because uh, at because that time, Microsoft charged per processor. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So... 
anyway, as as you've been talking and people who are watching the video know, I've been running, just yeah. messing around. Uh, it, I don't know if it seems like it runs not, well, like full speed, like normally in eight gigs of RAM, uh, you know, yeah. and, and the Mac is still running, you know, the Mac hasn't gone sure. away. You can do um, coherence mode and just run. Coherence is super cool. Yeah. Let me, Mac, let me basically. show you that. I'll, if I go out yeah, of it's uh, actually really cool. full screen, let me launch our favorite program, ClipChamp. <laughs> well, <laughs> ClipChamp. well ClipChamp. Um, I only mentioned that because it has no, uh, uh, corresponding app on on mac well i'm moving yeah no i mean but there's no clip champ on mac <laughs> oh i guess well actually there is leo that's the web app so you can oh yeah okay never mind but anyway i'm gonna run clip champ yeah. um and what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna i'm running it in a window yeah. on the mac. mac so the mac is still here look i can right. even run emacs and clip champ at the same time is that awesome what kind what? of insane person would do that <laughs> <laughs> so um well, and, and actually, there is a point to that because you can't use WSL on uh, on uh, the virtualization yes. of Windows. Right. So if I'm going to run Emacs, it's it's going to be on my Mac. Um, I have to say, I'm you know, <laughs> this is this is pretty good. It's it's supporting things yeah, yeah. like the Mac. You can see this Mac Snap, which is snapping what, what, it to various. I was going to say, what is this snap thing you're using? That's a, like that's a third party. That's a well, Apple uh, has. Some of that, but I'm actually using something I think called rectangle. Yeah, I was going to say that's not Apple. That's yeah. Well, Apple has some snapping. It does some snapping. Anyway, it's um, yeah. I mean, this is coherent. So what it means is I'm running as a, in a window. Yeah. I'm running a Windows app. Yeah, no, yeah. You don't have to look at the Windows desktop. And, and by the way, I think for most people, that's what they would want. They're on a Mac. That's whatever choice they made. Mm -hmm. And they, but they need this one thing. This one you know, thing. That's what it's whatever for. It might be. It's probably yeah. not ClipChamp, by the way. But you know, whatever that one thing is, <laughs> it's the one thing um, we don't need probably. But <laughs> probably okay. a line of business app from work or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. the MLS uh, app or whatever that still yeah, is yeah. running only on Windows ninety five or whatever it is. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I mean, I I have to say, and that so this is, and then if I want to go, you know, I'm 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 running in parallels, and if I want to uh, go back to a full screen of Windows, I can, but. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's I have to say it works uh, quite well. I'm, yeah, I'm very it always happy has, with it. honestly. I mean, oh look, I even have the start menu. <laughs> yeah. That's a little weird. Yeah, because I'm in coherence mode. I can you can mix and match. Like you could yeah. put shortcuts to Windows apps on your dock. Yeah, isn't that um, interesting? Just never even look at this thing. Isn't that um, interesting? Yeah. Wow. And it and it runs as I said, it runs pretty well. I still have the Apple. Stuff yeah. here. Now you, yeah. you're saying this system only has eight gigs of RAM. This is a 24 gig system, but when oh, okay. when oh, Parallels it installed oh, it, I didn't even give it anything. Gotcha. By the way, that you were saying that the uh, onboarding is is great. It is. I I it realized is. I had a Parallels subscription, so I downloaded Parallels, mm -hmm. put in you know logged into it, uh, and I said, uh, yeah, I'd like to run Windows 11. It downloaded Windows 11, okay. installed it, and so this within a minute was running. It, it downloaded Windows 11. Yeah. And me. it's a it's a it's a real version of Windows 11, not an insider preview version. So no. that means it's out there somewhere. You yeah, know? just not well, that, otherwise available. That All was I the press. The that was the preview. press release, though. Was you now can do this with a real version, right? right? That's right. Yeah. Um. So I think that's a pretty interesting thing. I have to say, I'm, I do too, too. I, 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 I'm pretty happy. I'll probably keep this on here. It doesn't occupy a lot of uh, space. You have, you know, you as as always with uh, a virtualization, you have like a little. ISO type of virtual. I can show you a little virtualization file here. That is Windows 11 PVM is the parallels file this format. This is the hard disk. It's for, yeah, it's 46 gigs. 
Oh, one other thing that's pretty cool is it 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 automatically turns on sharing, so I can see the Mac drive. Right. I can save to the Mac drive, but I also get my documents and all the Windows style. It will, yeah, we'll do a pass through where your Mac desktop appears as the Windows desktop. Whatever yeah. files you know go back and forth, it's yeah. smart. That's yeah, good. Yeah, I think they've done a, a really interesting job with the whole thing. So, still anyway. begs the question: What's the one app? It, well. For, I, there are two big use cases, right? I think a lot of times it's going to be an organization where they have an in-house app. So it's not a like a public app. And then the other one I think is developers, right? They need to test um, their whatever they're making across multiple browsers and multiple platforms. And the Mac is the one place you can do basically all of that. That's true. You, know? you uh, don't get Android. You don't get the Safari elsewhere. You don't get the subsystem yeah. for Android. You do get Edge. Hey, wait. But I'd get that anyway on the Mac. If your uh, browser is includes you enough, might we recommend... <laughs> <laughs> I also this get little, the, this little the fabulous widgets. I get the widgets. Everybody loves the widgets. Mm -hmm. I have the search, by the way, note, the search pill. Yep. Um, Without search highlights, by the way. Very I nice. I turned that off. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a sophisticated enough to have, it came with search highlights turned on. Yeah. Um, we'll turn it back on so you feel more at home. No, no, I, I actually <laughs> feel more at home when it's off. I know. 49 Let's, life hacks I wish I'd known sooner. Wait a minute. Forget that novel I was writing. Right. What was I looking for again? <laughs> was it for, was it 49 life hacks? I don't think so. But let, me, let me click on this just in case. Uh, yeah, so when it installed, it installed, I mean, literally, it asked me nothing. It Do you have an image of uh, New Orleans here on the back? This is being wallpaper, and it's still on uh, Mardi Gras That's yesterday. It. I think okay. it should, okay. should update pretty soon. I don't know. There's OneDrive, so I have That's all nice my OneDrive right. stuff. Yeah, it's cool. It's a little yeah. weird, but it's cool. Let me see what... Remarkable lack of vomit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, well, see, that's it's why it's 20 early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. After, after yeah. the uh, cleaners have gone through. Yep. So I don't know why it didn't update. Uh, it's supposed to... Re oh, here we go. Let's refresh and see what it is today. What is today's Bing wallpaper? I actually like Bing wallpaper. I would use it on a Mac yeah. if I could. Uh, what else is there? Right 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 yeah, I guess I am, aren't I? <laughs> so, yeah, so some of this is... Uh, oh, look how one, they, they gave you, you Mac-style icons. icons. Oh, yeah, they did, didn't the blue, they? The blue folder icons, yeah. that's funny. So there's the local disk C, which is actually not. It's the virtualization disk. Right. Uh, and then I have a, a Mac disk as well. Apparently I have a Linux disk. I don't know mm -hmm. that's interesting. where that came from. <laughs> Is that OneDrive? What the hell's that? Nope. That's <laughs> no. <laughs> Although, by the way, when you have the Linux, uh, the, the Linux, the Windows subsystem for Linux installed, you do get a little thing over there. Like yeah, that. and so that's what I'm saying is maybe my other Windows install, which does have WSL, maybe it copied the Linux desktop to OneDrive. Or that's kind of curious. Click on one of those things. You can't. The, you can't have. Um, you can't have the Linux. Oh, look at that. Oh, you know what? This might be the Mac. This is yeah, my Mac what, stuff. Okay. It's identifying it as Linux. Okay, that's a bug. Hmm. That's a little bit of a bug. What happens if I... You heard it here first, folks. Yes. Mac is really running Linux. It's really running Linux under the hood. <laughs> I knew it. Here, let's just open 15 programming problems in Notepad. <laughs> I'm going to say just once. But notice it gave me Mac as well as Windows apps to open that with. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. That was kind of cool. Yeah, that's nice. So open with is... So you should and also it even be able to do, Mac. what is it, like command space to do the, uh, what do they call it, on Spotlight or whatever? Yeah, 
that's working. And then run a Windows app from there. <gasps> I type in Notepad. I bet that works fine. Let me, let me try. <laughs> not yet, but I but I think it would. This is not the standard. This is not a search spotlight. It's a, something else. Oh, okay. um, yeah. I bet but it, yeah, I, I bet it, it would. I know I can. I know I as you said, I could put on the Mac. I could put Windows mm-hmm. apps in my dock. Uh, in fact, there's Word. There Holy camoly. Look at that. In Windows. Word as God intended it, running on Windows. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, I thought I'd, uh, I thought I'd bring this in, give you a little uh, show yeah, and tell. Cool. I think it's done a, a nice job, except for identifying a Mac as a Linux <laughs> PC. Well, yeah, but that might be purpose- purposeful too, right? They're trying to just, like, that's what's in Windows, so they you know, yeah. just trying to make it na- native looking. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, I think that stuff works great. I, I'm very impressed. It yeah. works. So, uh, as I was saying, the onboarding is completely. They don't. I've, I've yeah. used parallels before where they ask you all these questions. Yep. Nothing. I mean, I think you can still do like a manual. Oh, I can go back into settings now, yeah, and I can to. give it more RAM. I can make it harder, yeah. larger hard drive. As I, point, I showed you, it's about a 46 gig hard drive. That's the Windows install, but it's it, it expands and contracts as you add stuff. Uh, to it, but you know, on a reasonably sized Mac hard drive, uh, even five twelve gigs, you got plenty of room mm-hmm. to run. It's a much better than trying to run uh, boot boot camp and and partitioning it and all that. Right, but you can't do some of the things you could do with boot camp, like DirectX games and stuff like that. All right, I don't I don't see boot camp ever coming back. I think this. No, is I don't. No, I'm. I think Apple's virtually said. No. Yeah. And it's it does weird. run DirectX 11, which is not as fast as DirectX 12. But it's like, better it'd than be 12. See, I mean, it's better than nothing, yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, that's it'd a good be point. You see how a game would react. So if I find it, let me see if I find a, what would you suggest? Crisis. I mean, the only... I, <laughs> actually, actually, here's what to do. Uh, whatever the latest Asphalt is, Asphalt 9 or whatever okay. it's called. That's All probably right. a good... I mean, I think mostly I probably would do Xbox Cloud Gaming or something like that. But yeah, because I can do For that. Some even reason the racing this. games always run well, they even though they look really good. Asphalt Nine Legends. Get it from Microsoft Store. This site is trying to open the Microsoft Store. Why would you ever want to do that? Always allow Bing dot com to open links of that type. Yes, indeed. You <laughs> sold your soul right there. Yeah, that was what happened. Directly did, to darkness. Did, is this, does the Microsoft Store, is it playing a banjo right now? What's going on? So I'll download this. This will take a little while. Yeah, this could you guys while, continue but... with your uh, silly talk. And then uh, <laughs> as soon as Asphalt 9 is running, <laughs> we're going racing. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh. Oh my gosh. So one of the big and yet quiet stories mm. uh, since Windows 11 22H2 came out last year is that Microsoft intends to ship some number of what they're calling internally moments or mm. moment updates. And um, in a traditional way, it appears that the first of those is about to hit stable because this thing has made its way through dev, beta, and now release uh, channel release preview channel sorry which is the traditional way for this to happen right it's it's they've skipped some steps on with other releases but it looks like this is happening so there is a if you are on the release preview in windows 11 um you can see some of the stuff that's going to be in this next moment update meaning it's probably going to come out uh in about a month on P- patch tuesday in march right 
So nothing super dramatic. It's the uh, the new kind of tablet, or well, it's not a tablet. They're not going to call it tablet mode, but like the touch optimized taskbar. If you remove the keyboard from a tablet, you'll get uh, something that's more akin to what you would want when you're you know using it with your hands. You know, integrated Windows Studio effects, some new accessibility stuff, etc. But nothing, nothing major, major. But um, you know, this is this is the first one. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Moment. Okay. Yeah, I know. What does moment? <laughs> what does a moment mean to you? It's that moment yeah. where you don't know where the stuff you were looking for is. Right. <laughs> to me, what a moment is is it's the uh, a, the beginning of a sixty day period of uncertainty because <laughs> it's going to appear on some computers and not others, and there'll be different uh, build numbers. And this one will have the features, even though. It, it's not a high enough build number, and this one won't, even though it is, and that's the way these have so gone. So it's the moment of confusion? Exactly. It's the beginning of the moment of Yeah, for sure. I mean, you brought up the collapsed uh, icon bar, which, mm-hmm. is, I mean, Steven Sanofsky would be proud. This is what they were trying to do in Win 8 back in the day. Do not you ever let those words pass your lips in my presence. <laughs> <laughs> Steven Sanofsky, slowly I turned. <laughs> Yes. Well, as, well, yes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yes. Damn him, yes. Joe uh, Fet Noir. Uh, all right. Beta channel builds. Yeah, New. so in addition to the release preview build that came out yesterday or today, I don't remember when that happened. Last week, late last week, we got two builds in the beta channel, and that's how they're doing things now. Remember, one, one build stream gets the new feature and one doesn't, and if you're in the part of the beta channel that's not getting the new features automatically, you can actually check for updates in Windows Update, and you can download the KB, whatever it is, and get them. So that's there. Um, nothing major. Um, again, you know, new widgets. Uh, these are third-party widgets, uh, mostly Facebook Messenger, Spotify, um, some others. Um, there's <laughs> going to like this one. AI-powered recommendations and start for those PCs that are joined to an AAD or uh, Azure Active Directory domain. So what, what does that mean? <laughs> what that means is you have a pin section in the uh, start menu. You have a, a recommended section. By default, recommended is a co- weird combination of recently installed or recommended, or if you check this box, uh, apps use the most, and recent documents. And so what this is going to do is surface recent documents from inside your organization that may be pertinent to you, supposedly using AI to make that recommendation. I there are no words, so uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so, AI, it's, it's, it's going to be everywhere. Well, it is in a way, right? So the Windows Studio Effects feature I mentioned briefly that is now available in least preview is an, a, a set of AI-powered features, right? These are those things where, you know, it, it, the webcam makes it look like your eyes are looking forward even if you're kind of looking around. Or Daniel Rubino was on... Uh, Twit on Sunday, and he, mm-hmm. but he was using the Nvidia one, and yeah. it was uncanny. I mean, it really oh, worked, really? worked beautifully for the whole three hours. Oh, wow. um, the only weird thing is, at one point, and it's a thumbnail for the show. He put his yeah. finger in front of his eye, and the eye popped out and went right in front of the finger. Oh God! Oh jeez. <laughs> Other than that, uh, he he looked down. He was reading a document, looking down, and he was still. Yeah. The, it's a little uncanny because the eye contact is. Yeah, 100% full, but it I works. like to play video games during work meetings, so this would be good for me. It's great um, for that. 
<laughs> it's I didn't you know it was amazing, and it yeah. didn't you need look a couple weird. more features, right? It's got to blink a little, look away a little, yeah. Like if it just wasn't that rigid, right. locked on effect. Sure, and just don't. I think put they need your to have hand the in front of your eyes. That's all. Instead there of like normalized, they're like cat eyes, and what that means is like all of a sudden they just look off in a corner, like something's going on. They're like. Yeah, <laughs> just you know. Oh, I don't like that. Now, look in in anime culture, it's normal for the eye to show through the hair. Oh, right. so. so this is perfect for that. Yeah, for the Actually, younger generation, that wouldn't bother them at all. What uh, I mean, but you could see even the fact this, the, the fingers there that the eye contact is like it feels very genuine. Like he's really looking into my soul. Mm. He really is. Yeah. I, I actually kind of like him more now. Like <laughs> I've always liked Dan. That was, I don't I, want to misconstrue uh, that. Don't misconstrue that. No. Yeah. Daniel's great. Yeah. Um, so here's a, here's another shot from, from the show. Mm -hmm. um, just so you get a, a better sense of how that works. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. There we go. Uh, moving right along. We're going to get to AI in a bit. We're going to do a full, sure are. A full segment on that sucker. It's, yeah. it's great that we've had a couple of, you know, finally AI is not the first not subject. It takes the first yeah. hour. Yeah. Right. It will. We'll, pro, we'll call it's, it We're programs. trying to live and grow here. You know, just. Um, <laughs> um, just down to number two. So it is almost the end of February, uh, meaning we're almost two thirds of the way through this quarter. So I'm kind of hoping we're done with earnings from the previous quarter, but one of the last companies to check in. I hope it was Lenovo, who of course is the world's largest PC maker. Um, not surprisingly, their revenues fell 24% in the fourth quarter. Um, like a lot of other PC makers, especially the big guys, um, you know, they've been trying to diversify their business. And the thing that was interesting to me about this report was they almost didn't discuss PCs at all. It was mm. like PCs didn't happen. And they were, they were quick to point out that they were the world's biggest maker of PCs still. And then they kind of stopped talking about it. Um, and, I, and I think part of the rationale there is they're, they're trying to show, like, look, we're resilient. We have these other businesses that are now a bigger chunk of what we do. Well, so what are those uh, other businesses? I don't know, Leo. I, I, I honestly. <laughs> they have a I, phone I, business because they bought Mo sure. Motorola. They, yeah. Uh, no, they have data center stuff. And I'm sure yeah, there's okay. a whole services thing going on. Yeah, but all, right. all I care about is PCs. So. I'm going to do my part. Of, I'm going to buy another ThinkPad today. There you go. Actually, uh yeah, the Bubble World Congress is coming up. Oh, yeah, I'll wait. Wait. Yeah. So, um, well, now that I can run Windows the... on my Mac, who needs a ThinkPad? You're ready uh, hey, for. Hey, uh, hey. You're ready for some uh, <laughs> Game Loft action? Oh, yes. Excited. This is good. Now, I turned the sound up. Okay. Um, well, it kind of looks like it's working. Cool. By the way, somebody asked, by the way, like. this is cool. Look, when I turn the Apple sound, the Windows sound pops up and does it too. It's like they're in like sync. It. That's um, nice. So you can see how they copied it. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it really easy. It makes it really do. It used to be over in the corner, and now it's uh, right, it's right uh, there. I it's am weird, huh? uh, a a youthful sixty six year old male, right. and I'm going to accept that. Well, I can't yeah, really accept it. I can only go. just live with it. Synchronizing to my previous games. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway. Just play, right? I'm not going to yeah, connect it yeah, with another yeah, Xbox. Yeah. yeah, it should just run. I think. It, I think it will. So just somebody go. asked, "Well, how do you know it's the Windows? On, it's the ARM version of Asphalt Nine. Uh, is well, it the case that if it's in the store? Okay, but if the store brought it up, right? So if the store, no, you could, by the way, you could be emulating an Intel version of this. Yeah, I don't even um, know. 
Uh, let me look. I, it, it may be Arm Native. I'm not sure. I mean, look, uh, this is a cutscene, obviously, but it's playing just fine. Yeah, but video is one thing. Yeah, let's let's play a game. Shall we let's play see. a game? Let's see, let's see, okay, let's I just want to play a game. Hold the W key to accelerate. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. Ah! There's a little hesitation. Oh yeah. And I'm gonna blame yeah, I'm gonna blame that on why I keep crashing. There you mm-hmm. go. <laughs> There's fireworks over Paris tonight as Leo Laporte takes the wheel of the asphalt Ferrari. Uh, F1 trials begin today, so this is perfect timing. <laughs> All right, you know what? This is totally playable. I mean, it's not... Okay, down arrow. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not going to be. Da- press all the down arrow or S while steering to drift. Why can't I find this? Press the to drift. I'm, yes, fine. I'm crashing into stuff while I'm... Oh, God. All right, so I believe this is only an X64 game. Oh, okay, very so interesting. It's emulating. Yeah, so it's emulating. Wow. DirectX 11... I presume. Mm-hmm. I don't want to no, drift left. Close it. I'm sorry. I see. Yeah, I assume you're right. Drift left. Drift left. Okay. Yeah, right into that store. Oh, I know this part of Paris. This is great. The obelisk is right ahead. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where I am. Is that uh, is that the Elizabeth Tower? Maybe I'm in London. I won't know till I see the Ferris wheel. Oh, this is fun. Oh, nitro, nitro boost. Good. There you go. Oh, that's a faster PC. <laughs> I'm missing everything. Oh, oh into and the sand. Like you're from Pennsylvania. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> okay, so this is running pretty well. You would agree, yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, granted, we kind of tilted the deck here, so to speak. This is this game for some reason always runs great. You know, well, even on pretty low end hardware. But. This is. Uh, oh, I can use Shockwave, and then press the, double press the space bar. Does that like knock other cars out of the way? <laughs> yeah finish yes let's finish so um yeah that's you know what i didn't even think of this that's pretty amazing impressive that's, that's pretty amazing isn't it yep yeah and just so. to just that just to prove it this is running on an m2 mac this is the latest macbook air m2 24 mm-hmm. gigs of ram not a huge amount of ram um and uh you know that's pretty good pretty good not bad yeah, not bad at all. Emulated. That, Emulated. That and you're yeah, saying it's yeah. x86 emulation. That's pretty amazing. Uh, 64, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Wow. Yep. Yep, yep. So, yeah, the game, the store doesn't say anything about anything. This pro- It just says this product should work on your device. Right. right. Well, because your the store sees your computer, knows what it is, and knows that it will run. Available right. on Xbox OS. It does yeah, say it's x64. x64. Look at that. Yep. DirectX mm, yep. 10. 10. Yeah, and I have six gigs of RAM. I'm running this in, 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 did I say six or eight? Maybe it's eight. I think you said eight, eight. but I'm not sure. You're right. This is not a super demanding game, but nevertheless. But it looks great, and it's fast moving. You know, it's a nice demo. Yeah. I mean, everything's smooth. Look at the scrolling smooth. Everything's pretty smooth. And we should say, by the way, I'm not even direct connected. This is connected via Wi-Fi and AirPlay to an Apple TV. Is how you're right, seeing right. it. Um, well, it just goes to show you that uh, we've been let down on the hardware side, and this is why we're waiting for Qualcomm to finish up its what was that company called? Nuvia, 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 Nuvia yeah. That they purchased. Yeah. So the first uh, we should get the first announcements uh, late this year, and then the first product a, a year from now. That is my guess. And is this actually going to be a Microsoft branded processor, or is this going to 
Well, there, there might be a Microsoft version of it, but it'll be a Qualcomm a call processor first, yeah. So that was a demonstration of Apple Silicon running Windows yep. in a VM well, and as virtualizing an X64 We try to promote game. Apple hardware as much as possible. <laughs> and, um, so thank you for that, Leo. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I'm actually just kind of no, it's shocked, to be yep. honest. It's Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I've done it enough. It doesn't surprise me, but it's it is a sad reality that Windows on ARM today runs better and virtualized on Apple than it does on actual hardware. It's just it's sad. Yeah, I mean this. I mean I, I avoided buying the you know that HP Folio and a bunch yep. of other Windows on ARM machines because you said yeah. they were sluggish. The one I the only one I ever bought the, was terrible. The, they've gotten better. I mean, I, I don't need to dump on them completely. The latest gen, whatever it's called, is pretty good. The There's X, a, the, what is, what is the Lenovo ThinkPad X thirty one S, maybe whatever. Uh, it's it's okay. You know, it's okay. It it but it drops the ball a lot. You know, you you think you're, you're kind of going along fine, and then all of a sudden everything grinds to a halt. Well, I would uh, say you shouldn't do it unless you run pretty standard apps. Obviously, you know this isn't for yeah. the weirdo yep. apps or the That's pro. Right. You know, video. Well, you're also going to run into some troubles, and this is not. I don't see where this gets solved, but you're going to run into problems with uh, driver. Type stuff right. where um, you know HP has a printer that's an all-in-one that does scanning and whatever, and they have this custom software, and that stuff's never getting installed. Like it's, that's never. I asked work. Daniel if the holdup was mm -hmm. as we had theorized in the past that Qualcomm mm -hmm. had some sort of exclusive with Microsoft. He yeah. said he didn't think so. It was really just a, a driver issue. It was just getting the software to work, and it just took that long. You you said Parallels well, promised I, this a year I, and a half ago. Oh, the issue getting it on. On, on, uh, on, uh, on Apple, yeah. yeah. So actually, okay, that's an interesting point. So I talk to Qualcomm. I talk to Qualcomm every year. I'm not Qualcomm. I, I talk to um, Parallels every year when they release new versions of the software, and I test it every year and I look at it. And yeah, about a year and a half ago, uh, so two versions ago, they told me, yeah, they said, yeah, this is happening, and uh, it never happened, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and uh, oddly, that guy doesn't work at Parallels anymore. But anyway, the point is, <clears throat> uh, or a Corella, whatever it is. Uh, you know, this has been coming for a long time. I, I wonder if the list of things that doesn't work is a clue about why this wasn't supported officially. Like, I think one of the things that had to happen was X64 emulation first, which happened whenever that was a year or two ago. Um, I think if you look at the things that don't work, it's like, well, they, this is obviously something for businesses, right? Uh, they, they're requiring, you know, Windows 11 Pro or Enterprise uh, for one thing, which is interesting. It, it all the virtualization stuff doesn't work, right? Uh, WSL, WSA, Sandbox, et cetera, et cetera. DirectX 12 doesn't work. I, I know that's a gaming thing, whatever. But um, I, I, I kind of wonder if there wasn't a bigger list of these things that weren't working properly, and that that maybe that that's sort of what Daniel said, I guess, is that as that those problems started to disappear, this list became more manageable. It's like, look, this is reasonable. I, I wouldn't. When I look at the list of the things that don't run. Yeah, they all strike me as ring zero things. Like the yeah. the distinction between uh, DirectX 11 and DirectX 12 is DirectX 11 is ring three, DirectX 12 is ring zero. Right, right, like, right. I, so, so that's I think interesting. That's, yeah. So, uh, in other words, DirectX 11 runs in user space. That's right. And DirectX 12 yeah. runs in system space. Yeah, protected so, system space. And DirectX 11 is highly compatible. It runs everywhere. Right. It doesn't matter what chipset yeah. you've got. It doesn't matter the, what processor you're using. The other interesting note here is when when Windows and ARM first appeared, it was 32-bit only. 
it was a 32-bit ARM and it was running only ran 32-bit. Wait, is that right? Yes. And it only ran 32-bit Windows apps and emulation. So over time, X64 happened. It became 64-bit, et cetera. This, uh, on uh, Apple hardware, this thing does not support 32-bit ARM apps, um, which are in the process of being deprecated across anyway, all yeah, they're, versions. They're not going to fix it. They're just going to eliminate it. Yeah, just get rid of them. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of an interesting thing. I, You know, I don't know. You know, I don't know that there are a lot of native 64-bit ARM apps out in the world, but, and I, and Richard knows more than this than I do. I know it's not, I know it sounds as simple as checking a box in Visual Studio or whatever, and uh, putting all different For .NET, it, it is, pretty yeah. much, right? Yeah. Like, for the most part, because it's so abstracted, right? That's what right. the common language runtime has always been about, yep. is that you don't need to know. It will simply compile, too. And, just do it, yeah. And I think you're going to talk later about the 17.5, like, they, yep. The whole ARM stack is back in force in studio, which right. to me says they're gearing up for the devs to be able to push to native ARM 64. And I think um, that what is, whatever this Nuvia thing is coming down the pipe, this new generation of Qualcomm chipsets will finally make not, ARM not just viable for you know normal people, but also possibly for developers um, as well. Whereas today, I think it's a little experimental. It feels yeah. you know, to me. Well, it, there's going to be edges, right? And yep. but you hit on the main thing, which is drivers. Yeah, that's right? the tough one. And 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 certainly legacy drivers. Yeah, uh, that's the thing. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt, I, but it's it's depending on how people do things. Yeah, you're either going to be perfectly okay, or this is completely unacceptable. And people, you meaning companies like Hewlett Packard? Yeah, <laughs> well, right? for example, got I've uh, got a plotter that's a few years yeah. old. And yep. the Win 10 driver works a dream, and it refuses you to run a Win 11. Yeah. Let alone on ARM. But, you know, yeah. God does. Let alone on ARM. On ARM, forget yeah. it. You have no, no I mean, but for a lot of people, you open your laptop, you connect to some printer that's on the network. It just works. You don't really think about it. Yeah. And those class drivers are available across all versions of Windows. That will work fine. So depending on your needs, uh, an ARM machine could be perfectly compatible wrong. with whatever you use. Yeah. You know? a, a class 4 driver will generally let you print, right? Yeah, uh, and print and, correctly, right? Not just yeah. print. I'm I'm complaining about a network scanner, which right, which is a know, very specific. Forget it. For the and for the pain you will go through to make a network scanner work, you can buy USB scanners for everybody, and mm -hmm. they will work. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we'll get there. Uh, <laughs> not this year, but <laughs> eventually. Um, before we move on, I just wanted, there was one bit I wanted to note from the Lenovo earnings, because the one thing they said, this is the first, this is a, a quote from their earnings report. That is the first time I've seen this. Um, they, they were talking about all of the same macroeconomic pressures, you know, blah, 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 whatever, all these things that are happening. Um, they did, they, they said the group, meaning the part of the company that makes PCs expects to see year on year growth this year. Uh, resuming in the second half with end user demand to be higher than pre COVID levels. I have never seen any PC makers make such a claim. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that might be good news. You know, one of the big questions with this downturn is how long it lasts. Yeah. Is it permanent? <laughs> you know, where do we kind of level set going forward? Um, but Lenovo apparently expects that they're going to see PC sales growth in the second half of the year. And, demand to be higher than was the case before COVID. So before COVID, great. it's critical, though, because yeah. all of the big demand spike was because of COVID. 
So right. they're going to say we're back to normal, basically that that spike. Well, and even then better the than normal in a way, right? Yeah, and I a mean, little bit because, but it, but normal yeah. was always kind of a little bit up all the time. Yes, no. Yeah. <laughs> but it also no, kind of PC flat. cells fell for seven years straight. Mm-hmm. Oh, never mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you, you've they, got the supply they, chain problems, right? And they're still right. being straightened out. Like yep. literally, just getting ports properly cleared, getting empty containers where they need to be. Like they said, that take a couple of years to get nailed down. But I also think, and this is certainly affecting me and my roles around um, investing and and um, with traded companies. Companies are realigning to the fact that money costs money now. Right. We've had ten years of effectively zero percent interest. Yeah. And now we now it isn't there. So you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah, Leo. Uh, I know. <laughs> everybody. Know, everybody in the mortgage I, I, knows. I, I, yeah. I. Uh, we yeah. stupidly bought an apartment with zero when it was zero, and now it's not now zero. It's not oh, zero. but you got a adjustable yeah. rate. Well, we have yeah, it's we have a oh. it's a home equity line of credit that's tied to Prime, and oh, uh, and then Prime changed. Yeah, it used to be um, used to be nothing, and then it, our, our bill uh, last year tripled. Wow, right. our monthly bill. Yeah, that's how bad it was. Oh, that's well, terrible. And yep. you know, I'm doing acquisitions work with a few different organizations where the presumption for any acquisition was cash, right? Because cash, cash is, is free. Cheap. Yeah. And now cash isn't cheap. So suddenly yeah. it's like, what does yeah. a stock deal look like? And crazily, because it's been so long, right. like folks don't even know. They're, they're looking for the what? paperwork for how do we properly file right. for a stock-based acquisition. Short memories. Because it, it, it was 10 years ago. It really was. That's funny. Well, I haven't bought a house in 10 years, so I didn't, I didn't know that. <laughs> ah, you're better off. We're better off. All right, let's take a little break. Then we are going to talk AI. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but we have to. I'm sorry. No, no actually, I think it's... AI overlords demand it. I think mm-hmm. it's uh, honestly a fascinating topic. I'm not I'm not burned out on it yet. I'm sure our well, audience I, is... I need more tea if we're talking AI, so... <laughs> Go get some tea. Our show today brought to you by, you probably notice it, all through all of our shows, the great folks at ACI Learning, studio sponsors for the year. Thank you. Thank you, ACI Learning. You may say, well, who are these guys? Well, you know the name, IT Pro. IT Pro is now ACI Learning. They've merged and by doing so have actually added a huge amount of capability. So this is really good news for existing IT Pro customers. And if you're not yet an ACI Learning customer, maybe for you too. For the last decade, our partners at IT Pro have brought you, as you know, engaging, entertaining IT training, whether it's to level up your career or your organization or to even get that first job in IT. Well, now, because IT Pro is part of ACI Learning, it's expanding its reach. Production capabilities are improved. You're getting more content, the best content. And here's, this is cool. You can learn any way you like. In the traditional on-demand way that IT Pro is known for, you could do it live with streaming and chat rooms. You can even do it in person because ACI Learning has learning hubs you can go to. Uh, and maybe you do both or a mix, right? So you learn online for a while, and then every once in a while, maybe kind of spend a week at the learning hub to really nail down the information. You get to choose, and that's the beauty of this. And whether you're at the beginning of your IT career or you're looking to move up in your sector, ACI Learning is here to support your growth, not only in IT now, but cybersecurity. They've really beefed up the offerings there. And with Audit Pro, Audit Readiness. One of the most uh, well-known beginner certs, we've talked about it many times, is CompTIA's A-plus cert. 
very popular for getting into IT. It shows you know you know the basics. You could do desktop support. CompTIA courses with IT Pro from ACI Learning make it very easy to go from listening to our shows. Obviously, you're interested, right? You have that IT mindset. You probably have a lot of technical skill and knowledge, but you can go from you know kind of thinking, well, maybe I should have a career in IT to actually launching that career. Because it turns out, it doesn't matter how much you know in your brain, companies want to see those certs. They want to see not just the proof that you have the knowledge, but the demonstration that you are willing to kind of buckle down, study, take the exam, you know, do all the things it took that will make you a great employee. Earning certificates opens the door to most entry-level IT positions. It also can get you a promotion if you're already in the field. In fact, don't you think any boss would say, oh, you just took and passed CISSB? Okay. Okay. You know, we need more security professionals. Tech is one of those industries where opportunity has outpaced growth dramatically especially in cybersecurity. A recent LinkedIn study predicts that IT jobs will be the most, the most, the number one in-demand jobs in 2023. That means there are lots of, more than a million unfilled positions. About a third of the uh, information security jobs out there require a cybersecurity cert. So even if you're working in IT and you want to move into cybersecurity, you've got to get those certs. In fact, 23% of all IT jobs require certs of one kind or another. So it really helps to have the training certainly helps to have the knowledge organizations are absolutely hungry for uh, cybersecurity talent and and even though they're hiring as fast as they can and you know some of our other sponsors talk about this you know we need we need people we need me we need cybersecurity professionals the average salary for uh, cybersecurity professionals right now $116,000 a year $116,000 a year ACI Learning's Information Security Analyst and Cybersecurity Specialist programs can help you get certified. In 2022, the global, last year, the global cybersecurity workforce gap increased 26.2% over last over the year before. I mean, that, you know, that's more than a quarter. That's a lot of unfilled jobs. It's a lot of opportunity for you. ACI Learning offers multiple cybersecurity training programs so you can enter the uh, the area or advance within the industry. Uh, the most popular, CISSP, I mentioned that. There's uh, EC Council's uh, Certified Ethical Hacker, CEH, Certified Network Defender, Cybersecurity Audit School, big, big demand for auditors, Cybersecurity Frameworks, and actually, if you're working in cybersecurity, preparing for audits. I know there's demand for that, too. Where and how you learn matters, ACI Learning offers fully customizable training, whether you prefer in-person, on-demand, or remote. It's really a great way to get into the biz explore everything uh, aci learning offers they are really your headquarters for all of this it pro yes the new audit pro including enterprise solutions webinars the skeptical auditor podcast you can start listening to that that's awesome practice labs which are great because you don't have to have the gear to work on the gear learning hubs so you can go in person they've got a partnership program fantastic for organizations who want to upskill their employees tech is is the industry where 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 the opportunities are outpacing uh the the supply is out uh, being outpaced by the demand and that's really really good for all of us because it means you you can finally let your dreams come true and get that job a third of information security jobs require a cybersecurity cert get the certs get the skills Maintain your competitive edge across audit, IT, and cybersecurity. Readiness. Go.acilearning.com slash 
twit. Don't forget the go. And don't forget the special code twit30, which gets you 30% off either a standard or premium individual IT pro membership. That's a good deal. Twit30, the offer code. The website, go.acilearning.com slash twit. We are thrilled to have, you know, IT Pro has been with us for more than a decade. We're thrilled to have them and ACI Learning on the network. Thank you for buying studio naming rights. That's really helped us in the long run. And uh, and I encourage you, take advantage of this opportunity. Don't forget the offer code TWIT30 at go.acilearning.com slash twit. I was, uh, uh, before you uh, got up, I was telling uh, Paul that I've, I see the .NET Rocks mug, mm-hmm. but I only see the CKS at the end, and I wasn't sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it is .NET Rocks. Okay. And it's, and it's, the, the, and it's, and it's the, the vintage vin- mug. It's the mug from like 2005. Ooh. Ooh. So the, hey, the photo of Carl on that, I think is his high school picture. <laughs> hey, that's uh, look young. Yeah. You both look kind of When those forums was still the going concern when this. When uh, this yeah. the, the picture of me is like a week off of somebody in Kilimanjaro. I'm still <gasps> sunburned. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Wow. And I just sort of tamed the beard. Were you a mountain? Uh, are you a, still a mountain climber? Yeah, I'm a little slower these days, you know. That's and, pretty but, cool. Uh, yeah, how Killy did you, was a good climb. How did you do it with with the? Um, I did it the old fashioned way with a pile of money. <laughs> um, there was there were ten paying uh, climbers together. It's really a hike, and like yeah. eighty five porters when we started. Sure. They basically drive you in a Land Rover to yeah, ten you, feet from the summit. Then you get out and yeah. oh, you, okay. you, don't, do, don't. you do have to do the walking, but they're carrying your bag, right? Like yeah. you, oh have, you have God. a backpack. And these uh-huh. that team carried like a tent and table and benches for us, so we could eat indoors. And they would race ahead of you and set up for lunch, and then we, you know, oh, I want to do this. You got to send me the information. This oh, sounds no, great. This is this is pretty glampy, and uh, and Inesmo is amazing. Like I, I've actually uh, had a, a few folks have gone to see him since then. He runs quite a practice, and then we went on safari afterwards. You know, oh, what you fun! Do. One of those, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Oh, who 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 was the organizer? Uh, I'd have to go look up. Oh, his, I'd love to find out again, but it's like it's like a Tanzanian adventures type thing. But oh, uh, I man. certainly can. Okay, yeah, Lisa and I are going to do this for sure. That sounds great. There, there are more stories. If you want stories, Kilimanjaro, we could talk about it because I really, sh- probably, arguably, shouldn't have been there. Like the other porters were. There was a betting pool on me when I was going <laughs> to tap out. <laughs> You know, went, each day I made it to a camp. Some people are cheering and some people are crying. On a spit we, or on his yeah. feet. We'll we see. went on a bicycle ride in Corsica, and I found out at the end that the, the, the leaders were betting on whether I'd make it. You know, like how yep. far, how's, how, and they thought I was having a heart attack the whole way. Okay, yeah. maybe I should. Well, that was do. basically me. They didn't expect me to, the only guy who expected me to summit was John, <laughs> my guide, and he, he pretty much hauled me over a couple of those rocks. Okay. Well, we're just going to cut that whole part out, and we're just going to stop at I, when I summited Kilimanjaro. I love that. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a good line. That's a great line. Yeah. What was the Kilimanjaro doing in your pajamas? No, no, that's another story entirely. <laughs> uh, let's talk AI. By the way, that's the kind of line an AI would come up with. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then say, I wouldn't have said it if you weren't such a bad person. Wait, what? <laughs> the stories of the past week, I got to say, yeah. in my opinion... 
the real problem here is that journalists want to anthropomorphize this AI. And okay. so they... I, I, I'm glad you said journalists because the, the real problem from my perspective is literally journalists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. driving yep. it crazy. Like they're they're poking so, at it until it says something nonsensical. Because yeah. it's, well, okay, oh, it's not a thing. Let me go in a different direction. Okay, hold on. Well, my, here's so, my opinion. It's not sentient. Yeah. It's autocorrect. No. Spicy autocorrect, somebody said. And it's is, it, it, it's predict it's just predictive and it's going and if you drive it long enough it starts to spout nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but okay. Grammatically correct so, nonsense, but nonsense. These journalists just uh, wanted okay, it to spout sides. nonsense. There's, there's, it's it's stupidity on both sides when mm-hmm. it comes to journalists. So I don't know how many uh, Microsoft events Richard and or I have been to in our lives. Let's say it's been a lot. And so uh, for us to show up at some Microsoft event and then walk out of there like little girls screaming, oh, my God, you're not going to believe it. The singularities here is the most immature, unsophisticated <laughs> response you could possibly have to anything. And that's what we saw. And the yeah. thing that comes out after the fact is go back and watch the tape on the Microsoft thing. That thing made more mistakes than the Google demo did. Yeah. But the Google they demo talk for about some that. reason. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was all that was all the talk. I, I'm, that's I'm because there wasn't much specific... of a demo from Google. I mean, Google really. OK. Didn't... Go very uh, yeah, give it more time. I'm sure yeah. it could screw it up more. Yeah, it could screw it up. Um, but <laughs> a lot better. <laughs> uh, Kevin Roos of the New York Times was so blown away by this initial thing that he declared he was switching to Bing right. at the time. And I was like, no, no you're not. <laughs> and then a week later, and a week later, he writes, a week <laughs> later, I've changed my mind. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm still fascinated by this. Wrong both ways, right? Deeply unsettled, even frightened no. by this oh, AI's no, this emergent is, this, abilities. This is, again, this is Listen, anthropomorphizing things. Yeah. This it's, is, yeah, you, this is, I expect better from these people. Simultaneously I, had, giddy and skeptical. Yeah, I've had very intelligent friends of mine talking this way. And I'm like, listen, yeah, are you know. threatened when a parrot tells you you're ugly? Yeah, exactly. Parrot is arguably, not even arguably, is more sentient. Oh, it, absolutely. Steve Far Gibson more said this yesterday. It actually feed itself. Yes. He said when a parrot says we, Polly okay. wants a cracker, it's actually thinking. But if Chester, I say this, well, we, I might by get the way, a cracker. Leo, yeah. Leo mentioned Ben Thompson, mm-hmm. who I think is one of the most. Over the top. Uh, yeah, he went. Incredible he went, he commentators in our industry lost his mind. Yep. Like just lost everybody lost their minds in this one. That's problem number one is (laughs) why are you having philosophical existential debates with a piece of software? It's a search tool. Stop it. I know it's so anyway, there's that bit of embarrassment. Mm -hmm. I I just I also, you know, and I feel like I said this on day one. You know, this is Bing, right? (laughs) Like, shouldn't that have been the level set on this? Like, I, I just whatever. So. In the week, in the past week, because I guess we're doing this week by week now, right? Um, it's been really interesting watching Microsoft's response to all this. I, it is clear to me that they are almost giddy with the attention that they're getting mm-hmm. over a product. Like I think someone that Richard might have said earlier, we just spent 20 years ignoring. And now yep. it has gotten more attention uh, in the past week or two or three, whatever it's been, uh, than it has in its entire existence. Like all of a sudden it's a going concern, you know? And um Okay. There's been a lot of overreaction uh, inside and outside of Microsoft. You know, they, after this thing started going off the rails after two long conversations, Microsoft said, well, fine, we'll just, uh, we'll just, uh, we'll just lower the, you know, we'll, we'll lower the amount of time you can talk to this thing at a time. And that will, that will, we won't let the crazy come out. It's like, I, I, this, this morning I described this to Brad as like, you're sitting next to someone at a bar who's pounding drinks. The conversation is fantastic in the beginning, but then it gets really weird. And eventually, you should just get up and leave. You can't, 
you don't just keep talking to these people and you certainly don't make decisions based on anything they tell you at this point. And that's kind of what I, Bing AI is like. I, to me. I did have a chance to talk to a couple of folks on the inside of Microsoft, like what the heck is yeah. going on? And, and we, and they talk about this thing called the token cache. Right. So, I mean, each time this is about how we simulate context and I'm using that word very deliberately because no mm. intelligence, right? <laughs> it is simulating context by taking right. what you what it previ- you previously said and it previously responded and tokenizing it so they can include it in its subsequent responses. We are so t- easily duped. Yeah, and so the token cache is only so big. Let me give you an example that actually verifies what you just or is an example of what you just said uh, last week on the show. I, I did a very small demo where I used Notion AI to say something, what would be some interesting topics for a Microsoft podcast? And reading through its response, other than the, you know, <laughs> overwriting uh, like a kid would do in high school, I could see that it was very clearly taking information from my own notes. It was just stealing from me right there. Sure. Well, it so I showed know. this to my wife and I said, let's see what it does when we, it has no prompting whatsoever. Absolutely worthless. It's mm-hmm. absolutely worthless. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and in that case, it was something like, what would, you know, what are some fun things to do in Mexico city? And it's like, Mexico city is a history, you know, is rich in history and culture and there's great places to eat. And, uh, you should be sure to explore the city streets. <laughs> and so, you know, it was like, it didn't, it just came up with nothing. It was just nonsense. Which again, it's, and, it's just a search engine. It's going and yeah. finding a page that seemed to fit your, what you were saying. Right. right. Uh, I also had the chance to read, um, uh, uh, Jordy Ribas's le- uh, latest commentary on that. And he's one of the the VPs in the AI big space. And and he's finally sort of described how they built this thing. And it's like, they were not rushing this. They've been working on this for quite some time. The right. question is, why did they release it? Yeah, that is the question. Yep. And, the, and I think it's I think it's the 100 million users. I think, by the way, I, I don't think you've ever said anything in your life that is more right than that. I, yeah. that, that is absolutely... Correct. I mean, the numbers on Bing are so small yeah. and they see they, they we can latch on to the success and ride this and how much one percent, two percent share. It's all it takes means to them. Yeah. It's it's astonishing. Yeah. And, and a, any, but, anytime you can poke in, in summer space, it's just like poke and Google is a good day. Yeah. 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 And, and it was and, a perfect and, storm for them, too, because Google just coughed up a hairball at exactly yeah. the right time. But they're both hairballs. The question is what yeah. happens next. And that's really my concern. The correct yeah. thing to happen now is that one or the other of them blinks and says, hey, this is quite ready for a lot of time. I'm going to take that down. And then the other one will immediately. So now there's probably yeah. going to be a stare off to say who's going to blink first. And in some ways, Microsoft Google has is, the least to lose. Yeah. Microsoft's talking like they're not going to do that. That's my no. fear. You here. don't think these they're will get better? better. <sighs> The data sets, the the data sets, not that good in the first place. I mean, that's the yeah. essential. Problem. I mean, I think it's, it's, and it's too expensive for it to do it and to grow yeah. it in real time. You can't, you can't keep. Well, it, more salently, you did this as a PR play, and now it's creating bad PR. Yeah, what do you do? Take it down. By the way, that yeah. might play into the hundred million thing as well. Yeah. Well, this thing can't. You know, Microsoft says you know we improve this thing using the information we glean from what people are doing searching and blah 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 whatever. There aren't that many people doing that on Bing. Mm-hmm. Um, this is bringing more people to the service. Um, it, it, they may have, prag- well, pragmatically is the wrong word, but they may have gone live with this thing specifically 
defeated information and habits sure. and behaviors. Um, which which is what? always useful. And yeah. if you do try and use it as a search tool, sometimes it gets reasonable results. So <laughs> I will you know what reminds say me of what I said to a commenter on my website, that the bar should be higher for search results yeah. than sometimes. Yeah, yeah you should might, be 100%. You know. I agree. But yeah. it never has been. No, right? I agree with you. Yeah. We, yeah. The, the Google's vulnerable because its search has gotten quite poor. It's gotten bad. That's yeah. right. It's yeah, been right? insurtified. Yeah, yeah, absolutely true. So, so it, it reminds it me of IBM's Watson, which when it was released yeah. got a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, it won Jeopardy, right? And yeah. uh, and did it? What was this different from the chess playing? Yeah, this Watson is a different one. Um, yeah, but but related. Deep Blue was also yeah, from Watson IBM. Was, was derived from Deep Blue. Yeah. Okay. Um, in Deep Blue, it won the same way uh, Watson won Jeopardy, which is by cleverly tailoring. The algorithm for the exact purpose it was the pruned right. decision tree, right? And so and it was trained to be have an n over n minus one problem. As soon right. as the data set gets too big, they tip over, right. right? So, so nevertheless, great success. This is the last AI spring, by the way. In mm. in the long run, mm. Watson, even though despite lots of advertising and IBM really pushing it, has they they discontinued it because yeah. it, it. I mean, for a while there were stories about how it does better than a radiologist reading x-rays no it turned out not uh and then now it's gone and i think that's yeah. kind of you think it's going to be like that or is is this yet another one I of those think, i don't think it goes away i i in fact i think if what will happen is we just won't talk about it anymore because these capabilities will just be everywhere you know there it, it, only it's if, yeah, only if it works you only talk about it when it breaks right yeah and now, again artificial intelligence is how you describe a technology that doesn't work when it does work, it gets a new name, right? right. We'll start calling them large language models. Yeah. But I, I, I would argue the counter to when are these two going to take this thing down is who's yeah. going to double down. And the logical right. one in that case is Google. Yeah. It makes yeah. If Google, the, the thing that Google now is to release a different AI related product, right. a music generator, or, you know, the ne- a next they generation. Actually, I think they already did thing. That. But I would think something different. The Google and, Research and released get, a music generator. And which is ter- it's so bad, it's awful. Yeah, I, I, that was, and the headlines for that were off the charts too. It was like, yeah. oh, the, you're, you know, this is going to be the best music you've ever. We've all read a lot of sci-fi, and this is mm-hmm. like yeah. VR, something sure. the metaverse. We're all like so primed for, and turns and out to be a want, lot harder to do. Yeah, sure. And we uh, want science fiction to come true, right? And we don't have flying right. cars either. I might add. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, but I do I think, understand. yeah, I think you're right, Richard, that, you know, there's, there's applications for this and you just rename it, you, you know, and you're going to see it slowly seep into mm-hmm. our day-to-day well, today, life. Spotify today released an AI based, again, everything's AI based, uh, uh, playlist creation tool. You feed it some up to 30 artists and it creates music based on the music you like, which is kind of what we've been doing with music services since there have been music services. Um, just like we've been doing things like spell checking, grammar checking, word processors since there have been those products, you know, but now it's always AI. I think the reason they don't call this stuff machine learning or large language models or whatever is that AI is something that everyone both understands and completely does not understand as a term. It's just a familiar term and people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's marketing. Supercomputers, you know. But, well, okay, it's marketing. I mean, we've we've had this conversation before. There's algorithms that are... Yeah. labeled AI and there's actual sure. machine learning and, and there's yeah. actual, you know, 
Yep. I won't say AI, but there's actual machine learning where the machine this is the, makes its own rules. Really pedantic people say, well, this is an AI. Well, this is an AI, you know. Yeah, okay, whatever. There's We're a difference between AI. a program so, you, that a computer yeah. that a person wrote and a right. and a program that the computer generated on its own. And yeah. that well, would be to me that's the divide. On its line. own is a bit of a stretch, right? Because that's the point of <laughs> I it, it well, well, no, Alpha Blue, uh yeah, okay. Alpha Go taught yeah. itself how to play chess. Right. By they all it all they gave it was the rules. It taught itself how to play chess and became the best mm -hmm. chess playing computer ever much better than any human, in a matter of hours okay. by playing billions of games against itself. Sure. That, to me, is is machine learning. It proved yeah. the 10,000-hour thing. <laughs> well, the 10-billion-hour thing. You got it, but if you keep following the Alpha Project, then you get into the interesting stuff, like playing chess, playing Go, whatever. They're great demos. Mm -hmm. But Alpha Fold's actually important. Right. right? And, that, and that's that same. And we're now going to take years to validate what Alpha Fold produced in its last round of tests because our current perfect example protein folding is just not as sophisticated perfect example yep. yeah but there that but it's also a very rare example leo like to actually have built software that has generated results that very likely are right and a we don't know how they exactly how they generate them they're going to be difficult to prove and have massive consequences if they are right right honestly the biggest to me part of this story is an indictment of modern journalism it's mm, driven yeah, by link you. bait it's driven yep. by yep. clicks it's all um, but it's driven by this is like the conversation we had around fi uh, the uh, financial impact of covid versus post-covid and how these companies should have known better i don't understand that and then you get journalists who should know better go into a room and like oh my god oh my god oh my god and instead of using their brains and thinking for you know uh, it, it's so disappointing when people who should know better don't, <laughs> you know, I would submit just, they know better, but there's such pressure to generate views that they pander. Yeah. It's, the tough part is it is actually profitable. It's very, yeah. look, this is what happened to, to network news. Um, right. You know, look right. at your local, well, is, yeah. local news. Yourself, you know. It's, yep. it's, it's profitable. And ultimately right. these are all profit institutions you know this well, is why twitter is great because we don't want any profit we can't make money to save our lives so you're yeah. not going to hear that link bait here okay yeah well it's, it's sort of yeah right yeah no actually this is serious this is an advantage we have because uh there's no there's no seo in anything that we do Right. You right. have to go out, find the podcast, download it, listen to something that's going to go at least two hours to hear it. There's no link bait that can make you listen to this show. Right. So there's no incentive for us to 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 write a headline that says, you know, you won't believe what Bing did now. <laughs> yep. And then you're going to make like a graphic for YouTube where we're all like this, like... Yeah, that's, by the way, that's the problem with <laughs> you YouTube, know, exactly. Those stupid graphics. Yeah, that's that's the big problem with YouTube. It's all link bait. Ugh, it's the all worst. link bait. But, yeah. it, but, the, but the success of YouTube is pushing everybody else in that direction. You don't think The Verge is looking at YouTube going, we got to do more of that. Sure. Sure. So, I mean, this is an indictment more of our, and not even of journalism, of our society. We are ADD. <laughs> we just want, yeah. you know, what's yeah. next? What's the next thing? I'm seeing now on my Amazon Echo, you won't believe this 10-year-old sports writer. It's like, it's... <laughs> yeah, he's almost as good as AI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got tired of the AI story writing sports, right? So now they got a 10-year-old.
Anyway, but I do. So I think that's our job is to yeah. is to say what. So what is really going on here, and what is it going to look like next year, and in five years, and in ten years? And that's where I. I just like being on you the guys. right side of history. I mean, you can't always be right, but it's you know to me the central. Well, the journalism thing is the tough thing, for it. and it, because I'm sort of in this area, I I always have problems with this. But I've been covering Microsoft for almost thirty years, and my initial reaction remains the same today as it was when, you know when it first happened, which is you know this is Bing, right? <laughs> like. I mean, well, like, the other way to look at this is the best thing about pessimism is you're usually right and occasionally pleasantly surprised. Dvorak taught me that. <laughs> no one ever wants a mouse. <laughs> Just, the yes. problem is when you're spectacularly wrong, people do remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So sure. try not to be spectacularly wrong. Just a little hey, wrong. Goes with the territory. <laughs> um, so there's something here. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it's not what you think it is. Uh, I look. I we've raised all the same issues uh, that I, I have nothing new to add. I still question them releasing it when they did. I think we are getting toward the reasons. Um, I don't think what Microsoft has done here is any better or worse than anything you're going to see anywhere else, whether it's Google or anywhere else. I think, unfortunately, or whatever, the real the realistic outcome here is AI is already becoming part of everything. It just is. Spotify's doing it. Notion's doing it. Oprah, Opera's doing it. Microsoft's going to do it everywhere. It's going to be everywhere. This is it. We're going to we're going to be assisted by something that they're going to market as AI. You can call it, you know, whatever. It can it it is what it is. But it is, um, it is like everything else in tech. There's uh, there are definitely going to be benefits. And um, all those people, like I keep using the same example, who struggle to make a PowerPoint presentation, they're going to have a lot of help with that stuff. And I, I, honestly. It's kind of hard to complain about that. No, Unless, of course, you're a PowerPoint master and you're looking at all right. these idiots <laughs> who have no idea what they're doing. And, you know, I, so there's, there's kind of, you know, pros and cons of everything. Well, and back uh, to that line about this is the uh, NFT for cloud, right? NFT yeah. is about selling crypto. Yeah. All of these mm-hmm. large language models are about selling mm-hmm. cloud. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so That's what actually Microsoft ends it, it yeah. Yeah, yeah, when your customer is unhappy and it's costing you a lot of money, then you'll give it up. Is this truly an example of there is no such thing as bad press? Absolutely. Especially yeah. when, when people, when bad press looks like good press, right? right? I was poorly written articles that are very positive. Yeah. And incorrect. Right. You know, the, the great thing about writing me, bad being... stories in the first place is you get to do it twice. Once yeah. when you did it wrong and once when you try and correct it. Yeah. You know, so Bing insults a journalist and they become upset. And now it's like, wow, that thing must be pretty sophisticated to have upset that guy. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, not exactly, but okay. <laughs> you know? Upset for the clicks. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, <laughs> your, our obligatory AI section is now complete. Well, you know, there, okay, one more thing, which is yep. yesterday the Supreme Court heard arguments in Gonzalez versus Google, and a lot of what it was about was algorithms. Right. And amazingly, I thought, the justices seem to understand that you have to have algorithms, that everything's an algorithm. I was really impressed. Kagan, Kavanaugh, uh, who has yeah. prepared to, you know, Mr. I like beer, uh, actually was pretty pretty savvy. And they said, well, you don't have search without algorithms. You don't have anything without algorithms. Right. Um, they they kind of got went down a rabbit hole trying to figure out who creates 
thumbnails on YouTube. Sure, sure. And I'm yelling at the, I'm listening to this and yelling yeah, at yeah. the Supreme Court the whole time. But I, yeah. <laughs> they, they essentially understood. And really, yeah. in a way, algorithms, especially self improving algorithms, kind of are AI, right? I mean, Google gets better and better because it gets more input about yep. what you click. And that doesn't need a human to intervene. PageRank doesn't need a human. It's collecting signals. Mm-hmm. It also, but it also has human intervention routinely. We oh, call yeah. it advertising. Not, well, not yeah. only that, I remember uh, at the very early days before they took advertising, Sergey Brin telling me, yeah, every day, <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I'm dimly remembering this. So it roughly was like, I go down in the basement at Google and I look sure, at sure. the end of the printouts to see the, 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 the tapes, tapes coming, coming out, out of the glass the, ball. Yeah. I want to get the end of the printouts to see what we have to fix. Yep. And then we type, we, we tune the code a little bit and then it goes on. There's so you always can see why they brought him back to figure out this AI thing. Cause that guy is still <laughs> totally living in the future. He's back down in the basement looking at the printouts. And I, I think it's about oh, time. Yep. All right. Enough about that. But I do, you know, and we're going to talk, I should mention uh, the next show. This week in Google, we've got Kathy Gellis on, who was in the Supreme Court today and yesterday for those arguments. Uh, She had written an amicus brief on behalf of Tech Dirt for Gonzalez. So, Mm -hmm. um, uh, by the way, in favor of Google, not against Google. Um, So uh, she will have a a lawyer's point of view on all of this. For the entire industry, right? um, For us. This is the rare case of... um, it's kind of a it's it's a weird transposition. Like you've got this, the biggest companies on earth have so much responsibility and too much power, but <laughs> are they responsible for everything that every single person well, writes and happens to go out through their right. service? And, and furthermore, when, it's not just about the like biggest companies. It's about our yeah. chat room. It's about our Discord. Yeah. It's about our. Yep. Yeah, forums and your forums and yep. your comments. No, it's it's a weird. It, 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 you have to you go up to the big guys, right? I mean, for that's how it. You know, I know. Yeah. That's how it happens. Google and Facebook and uh, can handle and Microsoft can handle any adverse uh, effect of this, right? But it's we gonna, can't. It's gonna, right. <laughs> I'll take it's it all. Happen. I'll have to take it all down if I can get sued for anything uh, that yep. is said on my site or anytime I take something down because of what's I, said, uh, I can get sued. There's no site. Yeah, but this is even a new debate. Seem to right? be. This is the common carrier debate. Right. Yes, that's right. Except for the fact, and this is where you get back to the algorithm parts, except for the fact that, you know, true common carriers have no input into what is transmitted. Hmm. And these services shape what you see. Actually, this is a huge problem because, um, you know, Facebook specifically feeds you nonsense and (laughs) does it Mm. to get clicks and... Yeah, they're an active participant, and that's why the the conversation is about the algorithm. Mm -hmm. But you, but you can't, you can't, you can't uh, cut the baby in half without killing the baby. You can't, you can't say, well, let's take out algorithms uh, and preserve Section two hundred and thirty. Then there's no internet. Yeah, I think I think the the prosecution in this case has overreached because exactly that turning it into a defense of the internet will always win you the day. Yep. The real thing here is this, uh, you know, that you are responsible. Well, it's for the almost it's almost intent. In other words, are you a blind carrier of other people's yeah. thoughts, or are you participating actively to make money? Yeah, which, which is they what are. Facebook is doing for sure. And so, I mean, the the answer here might be transparency in the algorithm, right? 
right? I mean, I've, I've laughed for ages. Like Facebook could have been the best source of news ever. If yep. you had shown the source of every bit of data that you're bringing in and who's paying for it and so forth so that you effectively did what democracy requires, which is that informed populace, right? You, you would be a benefit to society and perhaps also be profitable. And the problem is that outrage is more profitable. Richard, uh, that would be quite a world, wouldn't yeah. it? <laughs> but I, I would also point out Bing AI does yeah. provide footnotes to everything it says yeah. that, that while not adequate are at least an effort towards showing sourcing. Sure. And maybe a reaction to what's come before them, right? Uh, the the yeah. things we were just describing, you know, that's fine. I mean, it's fine. It's not fine. We need to be better. Yeah. I'm, I'm well, that's what I meant that, by fine. Fine is not the same as good or ideal. It's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, but fine. it's, you know, it's, it's a step. It's a step. We're all surprised that the prosecution hasn't duped the Supreme Court. Yes. That yep. The Supreme Court is at least. The, I, well, right. That's exactly Honestly, right. Honestly, they did. I, yes. Because there is no merit in this case at all. Why would, no. why would you blame YouTube for ISIS killing your daughter if there's no connection? They're, right. not, they're not even asserting a connection. So, uh, and I feel for but the now Gonzalez the ruling will, will serve to protect the internet. Ultimately. Well, but so that's the, the other question. side of this. And this is, is the first question but, I'm going to ask Kathy Gellis is, why the Supreme Court grants certiorari in this? They should not have been reviewing right. this case. It's not a good case. So yep. why are they reviewing it? And that's what I think scares everybody. What Did yep. some of the justices see this as an opportunity <laughs> to kill 230 maybe? I don't know. Yep. So far in the arguments, like that's where they're headed, like thank God. No, but, but you yeah, can never tell was, with that's, the arguments. Yeah. That's why I've been paying attention to it. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yep. All right. Moving right along. Because I know you really care about Microsoft 365. Well, thank you. I do. Leo. And teams. So, <laughs> let's talk teams. Um, well, The Verge has reported, and I can confirm, that Microsoft in March is going to release something they're calling Teams 2.0. Um, it is uh, moving off of whatever Electron nightmare they're on and mm -hmm. on to React uh, instead. So it's a lot less RAM, a lot less CPU, so a lot better battery life, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's pretty much 100% of what I know about it, <laughs> so um, personally, um, and I don't think The Verge goes into too much more detail, but I think we could all agree uh, to, on two things when it comes to Teams. Um, probably the most popular platform Microsoft has created in a long, long time, and the client is the biggest pig of a disaster and needs to be overhauled uh, to be more efficient, so this is a good thing. Try, yeah, trying to make a new sovereign app, trying to displace Outlook, which is really what you're trying to do here, yeah. to be the first place you look, is not an easy thing. Yep. I am confused as to why this was necessary. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Microsoft owns Electron. It's part of GitHub, for crying out loud. Like, why? <laughs> why? I expected the moment that acquisition went through, it's like the Windows team is going to sit with the Electron team, and Electron's going to it. get great. Yep. And, yep. and everybody will benefit. And the fact that that didn't happen, that's an interesting story. Like, what the heck is the problem with fixing I, I'll Electron? Throw, uh, something that won't be too comfortable for a lot of people because React comes from Facebook, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And it might just be that React is just superior. Um, apparently. It's you, also you know, got to be a legacy thing, right? But uh, a, le a legacy to Electron? It's not that old. No, like, but a lot of programs use Electron, non-Microsoft Well, the pro So yes. obviously the problem with Electron is that you're basically shipping the web browser right. products, right? right. Um, so I think we talked about this last week, but you know this notion that I already have Brave with 43 tabs open. What I don't need is another rendition of it in Teams with right. another 43 tabs or its equivalent. Um, 
Yeah. yeah. And, and, and maybe so it's not just, in Microsoft's best interest to fix Electron because it makes everybody else's app slower. Right. While That's they, right. While well, they, they move to own. React. <laughs> right. So yeah, if they exactly. do a React JavaScript version, this is this is not Electron. This is something different. That's right. And yeah. better. They're changing and the underpinnings. Yeah. Right. Lightweight. And this is the, and this is important because Teams is the center of work for so many people now, 270 million or whatever it is. Uh, and like Richard kind of implied there is essentially the new Outlook. It's the, you know, Outlook was always famous because you would, it would be the first thing you started with in a work day and the last thing you left on. Um, and you, you know, they created like this, you know, your today view and all this stuff. And it was the center of your universe. It was the way you communicated with the people you work with. Um, you kept your calendar and so forth, all your contacts. And um, I, I can't believe they haven't added email to teams. It's like the one thing that's like, just do it and get rid of Outlook, you know? Yeah. Um, Microsoft is smart in this case. I, they, 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 I think they knew going into this, that there was a younger generation of people that would react, pardon the pun, if you will, to uh, a chat based, uh, community, uh, workplace communication, you know, collaboration client. And that there was this old school group that basically just has to die and that will never give up outlook. And so, you know, they, they kind of promoted both of these things side by side and, um, I'm sure there are still many, many more Outlook users than there are um, Teams users, but Teams is a force of nature. It's an application platform. I mean, mm. it's it's humongous. Yeah, I, it's, I I get reached out when I get reached out to by Microsoft people. I know what age bracket they're in by what tool. Yeah, they reach yeah, out me exactly right. And yeah. isn't it the case that almost everybody's using webmail now? I mean, is who's using clients? I know. I don't. I don't know. That's a good. I don't know. I, I still would use say, Outlook, and I feel alone. You are yeah. old and alone, even yes. better. I was going to say, you, I don't mean to say you should feel alone, <laughs> but if you, I don't mean it like that. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I would say anybody uh, under thirty-five is just using webmail, and most people yeah. over thirty-five most, are using barely. Webmail. Then I mean, yeah. or they're not I using think mail kids at go all. Kicking and screaming into it because the work requires it, but is mail itself kind of? Outmoded the idea of yeah. email, yeah, because they use yeah. chat instead, right? They use yeah. well, it's like asking is the telegraph outmoded? I don't know. Sometimes I like <laughs> we to still send get a, a telegram and not get an answer Stop. for two more days. I don't know. <laughs> you know, like it still works. I used like, to. I, one of the there are a few things that were burrs under the saddle doing the radio show. Yeah, you know, the guy calling in said my AOL mail has stopped working. Is one sure. But uh, did you recommend that he goes to um, Outlook Express? <laughs> Honestly, Hotmail. Anytime yeah. somebody had a problem with Outlook, it was like, oh God, please no. It's like I, I use Hotmail and I spell it capital H, capital T, capital M, capital L, because that's where the name comes from. Hot, did Hotmail invent web email interfaces? I think they did. Right, pretty much. That, that was the first. They very did. first. Maybe yeah. they were. One, they were one of the early ones. Yeah. And we got to, you know, it's it's so long ago, people forget this. Microsoft bought this company, right? right. This yeah. was a startup. That, they still uh, own the domain. I yeah. still have folks that have Hotmail.com. Hotmail oh, I have I, yeah. my primary email address. Is and it took them a long time to move it to Azure, right? I mean, for a long time, Hotmail yeah. was running. Well, to, to Exchange or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it was on, on Amazon. Uh, well, actually, it took them a long time just to move it to Windows. It was on FreeBSD for a long time. <laughs> That's right. It was on FreeBSD. In the beginning, right? I mean, there were a lot of transitions. <laughs> for this product wow. over the years. Uh, yeah. So in business, people still use email clients. But even here, sure. uh, we're a Google Workspace house, right? So all our email is on Gmail. Mm -hmm. Right. 
That's you right. could use if a client. You're, if you're full in M365 and you send out a calendar invite from Outlook, it yep. will make it into a Teams invite automatically. Like mm. They don't have to fight to stop that. <laughs> that tells you something right there. Yeah. <laughs> that that's that completely tells it's you their also, strategy. Uh, telling that in the Gmail client, there's the, the whatever they call it this year, Google Meet or whatever is is a is a primary UI in there. I don't yeah. I don't use Outlook the desktop client anymore, um, but or I mean I really haven't ever I guess, <laughs> but uh, I don't know that that's the case. But like I said, I I'm I'm really surprised email is this is not like a tab. In teams, just bring it in. Mm-hmm. You know, so what's the difference at this point? Make it a web tab. Oh, I already have you a don't calendar. Have the team's calendar is pretty nice. But you know, it might make teams fat and slow. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we wouldn't want that. Goodness. <laughs> well, <I'm- laughs> hey, what was the deal? Uh, I was seeing a lot of messages about Outlook.com turning yeah. off its spam protection for a while. Yeah. So that that has passed. Okay. I, I yeah, it was brief. Know, was it? Yeah, they had a day or two where it appeared the spam filter just went south and stopped working. This is where I miss um, Twitter because I'm sure there was a lot of traffic on Twitter. Oh, even, yeah. No, you missed oh, a yeah. uh, – Even Mastodon had quite a, a bit of traffic, but I bet Twitter was – Let's just say that the only thing worse than Outlook.com is Outlook.com without a working spam filter. Oh. <laughs> you know? Oh. So uh, did the spam filter retroactively get rid of that spam or is it still sitting in your inbox? Oh, I don't know about that. Mm. I don't know. Probably what, still I don't know sitting in your inbox. I would guess. I do know that it was fixed, and I, uh, to my knowledge, Microsoft has not publicly addressed this issue. But it was somewhere between a day and two that it. Jeez. Yeah. Just it, just a moment for regular people to find out how horrible the internet still. Really yeah, you know, is. they should mm-hmm. do this yearly. They should have a you know a yearly no spam yearly filtering no day. filter day. Yeah, just yeah. so you know what you're missing. Or you not. can do the same thing on your phone. Uh, instead of using like a major service like Verizon or T-Mobile, like just move to Mint Mobile and then see what kind of uh, like text messages you start yeah. getting. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's amazing. Mint Mobile is a sponsor, phones. Paul. Don't uh, don't don't uh, don't diss them too much. I love Mint Mobile, but I mean they just don't have they don't have any spam. They don't do the so, yeah yeah yeah. Oh, I remember that when I first got my Mint Mobile phone. I guess the the SIM the phone number was owned previously mm-hmm. by an avid. Every phone uh, number has been owned previously. Yeah, well, they all are. But this one was owned by an avid Trump supporter. And I okay. was getting 20 or 30 messages a day okay. f- asking for money, not just from Trump, yeah. from all sorts of sources, at, you know, yeah. QAnon stuff, all kinds of crazy stuff. And then interspersed in it was a regular message of, you have defaulted on your student loans. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I keep getting PayPal requests uh, via text message. Those are entertaining. I owed, I owed a guy named Ernesto $300. I think they may, Mint may have um, fixed this because uh, Swamp Rat's saying he doesn't get any spam messages on his Mint Mobile. They're riding on T-Mobile. They could use the same. You know what's but changed? I think that they don't. Okay. No, the, they don't. What has changed, I think, with Stir and Shaken... Uh, is a lot of these spammers, it's no longer... Uh, oh, by the way, this person, if he's using uh, a Pixel phone, uh, Pixel in They do the phone, the hardware Android do it. Do it has, actually has right. spam filtering built in. If you have an The worst combination is an iPhone, because they do nothing, with t- uh, Mint, because they do nothing. So those two together, that's <laughs> let's, if you want to see what spam looks like, put an iPhone on Mint. <laughs> that's what it was, an iPhone yeah. SE on uh, Mint yep. Mobile. But this oh, was this three, four, five years ago. So the wide world of the internet. <laughs> yep. That's no, it's just perfect. Swamp Rats on uh, Android, Motorola G Power. Yeah. Okay. 
I'm not sure where the line between Pixel and Android ends with regards to spam and stuff like that. I know the Pixel has enhanced capabilities. Pixels, but yeah, Google does a lot uh, in there. Google in probably does some good stuff yeah. on Android, just yeah. Android proper. So. Right. Uh, okay. Okay. Let's move. Let's move right along here. Yes. I've lost track of where we were. I went to my Outlook just to see if I had any spam, and it was all yeah. from Microsoft. Well, actually, so we have a dev section here. Um, oh, since Richard is here. I, mm. This is an interesting opportunity. Yeah. You probably knew about a bunch of this stuff ahead of time. Bastard. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> they pre there's previews, man. Like yeah. you see them all the time. It's not like I'm calling anybody. I see. All right. Well, Visual <laughs> Studio big, 2022 is, is here. Well, 2022 version 17.5. 17. Why don't yeah. they just call it 2023? Am I asking uh, too much? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're asking. They don't really change the version number, I don't know, what, every two, three years? Two, now? three years. Yeah, okay. It'll be yeah. probably a 24-24. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. So it's going to be 2022 for a while. So version yeah. 17.5 is probably just the proper version. But this is a big update, right? This is not a little This one's dot, a big update. Dot yeah. upgrade. I yeah. haven't, yeah. And it depends on what you're doing, but I would say uh, AI-powered suggestions, am I right? Oh, Actually, boy. Kind of, that one's kind of interesting because it's a little bit like Copilot. As you're writing code, it will actually watch you as you keep making edits to something and say, hey, are you trying to do this? Oh, I'm, I'm very yeah. curious. This is the this. new thing is auto yeah. is uh, autofill or what do they call it? Intella? Intella well, IntelliSense. Sense. Yeah. Or Intella, but yeah. using Intella, Copilot. Intella code. Using yeah. Copilot. But, so like you start typing something. <laughs> well, it, it's actually watching. In other words, you're working on, let's say you're doing some kind of iteration or whatever. Yeah. Like you can't, you don't quite get it right. And it will just pop up a little you know, preview window above what you're doing and say, hey, did you... Did you, you know, you're this? calling a null pointer. Do you really mean to be doing that? Yeah. That's that actually is a good idea. I think this so. is something the editor's... The editor has always been parsing your code as you type. It's a linter. Yes. Right? That's right. Yeah. Well, it's it's a, it's a compiler as a service. Like, you, your, line is, your, the, your line of code is full of squiggles. It does auto... You know, you object dot, and then it will list all of yeah. the, yeah, the well, that's properties. Just, that's just auto-complete. Yeah, yeah. That's IntelliSense. Right. IntelliSense, but, yeah. yeah, this IntelliCode part is starting to anticipate this is what you intend to do. That's right. interesting. Is it good? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it's yeah. It's it's at the interesting phase right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm it, very you don't have to take it. The same same. You don't have to take IntelliSense. No, you just hit tab and keep going. Yeah. The the big the big one for me is is something I've certainly talked about on .dot rocks with various folks mm-hmm. is you can still write C sharp like it's C sharp two, and it's now C sharp eleven. So right. the real sense I've gotten is if you, and, and this is what, what I've mostly modernized is. Let's try writing code like it's 2005 and see if the things like, hey, you know, yeah, um, you, there's some link here, you know, like there right, are right. there are uh, liter- string literals now. Like you don't have to do this anymore. I wonder if it's um, if that does anything to obfuscate what you're trying to do. Like I, I sometimes I find these modern code constructs to be a little harder to read because I'm just mm-hmm. not, I'm not a professional developer for one thing. So I'm not completely up on all the changes that have occurred uh-huh. in any language or C sharp. Well, link is remarkably capable of obscuring code, right? Yeah. The same, the same way you can write a SQL query in a way that's just like good luck right, figuring right. out what this does. Yep. Yep. No, even actually, I would say even before this, it would want to format blocks of code in a certain way. It actually does this all the time. In fact, mm-hmm. it does this in the XAML editor and it does this in the you know, C sharp code editor. And it's like, no, no, I want it like this. 
you know, yeah. and I wish there was a little setting where I could say, stop telling me this. I, yeah. I like the way I write it. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I want my code um, the way I want my code back off. Yeah. 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 Yep. Cause you can tab your way through like a Zam, a line of XAML and will like, and spit it out over five lines. Like, no, I want, I want, I want to be able to read most of this on one page if I can. Yeah. Uh, XAML can be very verbose, you know? Anyway, well, that's and a, I've got wide screens, but not too tall. So give me long yep. lines. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. That's exactly right. Yep. Yeah. Now different people, different styles. Like I get that. It's fine. Uh, but it'd be kind of neat if there was like a coding style option, you know, like I, uh, you could choose like how you like those things to be formatted. That's actually yeah. a really good idea. I should. I mean, <laughs> and to me, 17.5 is about the native arm 64 stuff. Like that's right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the original release was the of 2022 was the first to support ARM 64 natively. And then if I understand this correctly, this includes a native ARM 64 Clang tool set, but only an LLVM. Yeah. So basically native compilation on yeah. ARM 64. So does that mean that compilation previously was emulated X64? Yeah. Or actually X86 probably. Possibly. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Sure. There's been a push for strictly ARM 64 for a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, how the instruction sets actually map out is another problem entirely. Again, yeah, yeah. we're largely insulated from all this, yep. but the the Clang tool set is more about it knows how to poke into LLVM properly. So it, yeah, which means essentially run anywhere, including by the way, into WebAssembly. Ooh, so WebAssembly uses LLVM as a loader. Mm. So LLVM is a miracle of modern technology. Yeah. When you talk about what <laughs> it's not quite AI, but it's, yeah. you know, it's what is computing really run on? Yeah. It really runs on LLVM. Yeah. yeah. So tell people what that is. So Clang is the compiler, but it right. doesn't compile to, a, to machine code. It's a C-Lang compiler. It doesn't compile yeah. to machine code. It compiles to, is it an intermediate code for LLVM? In fact, effectively, but listen, this is what C always offered, right? This was the point back right. in the, if you go back to the 80s, 70s and 80s, right? It's like, hey, we've been writing an assembler. Let's take a language above this that can actually then go to multiple assembly instruction sets. Right. Right. This is not that different. The CLR is a higher abstraction from beyond that. But this, this was always important uh, was, was stop worrying about the, ex and not just the chipset. But the exact BIOS you've got, the exact microcode you've got, like this is where stuff fell down. You want to, so you know what what sank the the BlackBerry? I had a team that was trying to build BlackBerry apps in the nineties. It depended on what ROM version you had. You had to yeah. recompile the flipping app. If you yeah. don't have this abstraction, you're constantly in pain. Your yeah. software yeah. breaks every time right. there's a fix in anything. And so, you know, it's just that LLVM ended up being. The, the leveling off of, okay, well, here's how we're going to do this after many different approaches over the years. And it's this brilliant this guy, Chris, Chris Latner, who, yeah. who really is kind of the uns, one of the unsung heroes of modern uh, computing. Yeah. LLVM is low level virtual machine. So, yeah, although they say it's not that anymore, right? It's just LLVM. <laughs> right. I, I can't, I don't like when um, acronyms go non acronym. Yeah, become, yeah. become a noun. Yeah, yeah right? like yeah. CES. It, it's still the Consumer Electronics Show. I'm sorry. It's not really a virtual machine. You, right, know? Right. you can argue whether it's low level or not. So, the, the, it, it generates this thing called intermediary representation. Does it then get it compiled further to machine code on the target yes. platform? Yeah. Okay. Ultimately. Ultimately. Yeah. So the reason I, you know, maybe I'm an old timer stuck in the good old days, but 
Pascal. Well, you know, everyone uses Lisp. Used to too. compile. In fact, that was one of the strengths <laughs> of Pascal and Delphi was it would compile to a P machine, right. which was a, a hardware independent intermediate language. But P code was always slow. I mean, that was always a disadvantage. It was like more like interpreted than compile. That was uh, basic too, right? Uh, Visual basic. Yeah, basic never was never. P-code. It was always interpreted. But, I think uh, until VB6, I think it was... Yeah, yeah. Well, all, all the Visual Basics actually compiled. Yeah. It is now? Oh, that's good. Against, yeah. against their own VB runtime. Yeah. Okay. So it's using kind of a, a library, a DLL, to... Yeah, to, which, to, by to the run. way, still ships with Windows to this day. Right. VB run, you see it everywhere. zero.dll. <laughs> yeah. Never. We're still updated every freaking month of your life <laughs> through Windows Update, whether you know yeah. it or not. It's there. Yeah. Yep. Does is Windows a big supporter of LLVM? I always got the impression that it was kind of everything but Windows was, because don't you have CLib and stuff like that? Yeah, Microsoft's always had their own implementations, but LLVM has been a part of the C plus plus tools yep. inside. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, Studio for forever. Forever. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, so very interesting. Yeah. 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 Yep. It, 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 it's interesting to think about uh, Studio modernizing like we yeah. keep thinking about this old tool like most people especially young developers you look at it and go this is like sitting down in the copy of 747 going what are all these switches doing right and i'm like what you're actually seeing is the political architecture of microsoft here <laughs> where every that's team right. that works on this product <laughs> that's really wants true. a button on the screen <laughs> that's sure. really true right. <laughs> what i like about visual studio the most because what, what i do mostly with it is just install it is um <laughs> you know it can figure all the workloads i want yeah. And then um, you get the thing up and running, and the first thing you have to do is look at the or the right this little red bell icon. It's like you know you get two more things to install. Mm-hmm. D- just do it. <laughs> why, yeah, why, why are you just, asking me? Why are you doing this? I you know I just told you what I wanted installed. Well, if, if I said yes to this, just do it. There are other releases this week in this space. Uh, the first preview version of .NET eight has come out, and I got to mm-hmm. tell you, this blog post is possibly four to six thousand words long, and I understood about. 17 of those words. <laughs> really? I didn't think that well, post was all that long. I, I, what I meant by that is, I, obviously what I'm looking for in this list is here's what's new. And there's literally a section called what's new right. in this release. Native AOT. Okay, I got that mm-hmm. ahead of time. Compi- or, uh, compilation. Yep, yep. Okay, good, good. And then it, and then it just kind of goes on from there. And I'm like, I don't quite understand <laughs> what a lot of this stuff is. It's a lot of, I don't know, it's very esoteric. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, they're they obviously still working on .NET MAUI, right? right? They are getting to, they, they're finally getting to some version features, some features now that are, are making it more robust. You know, 1.0 is always a tough version. It took them a while to get yeah. there. Yeah, they sure did. By the way, I, I, I wrote this new talk, this mono to MAUI talk. Yeah. And by the end of writing it, I had far yeah. more empathy for why MAUI was delayed as long as it was. So I listened to your .NET Rocks episode with the uh, panel discussion with yeah. Um, David Ortnow and yeah, uh, Kendra and Perkins, right? Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think David made a joke like, um, you know, we should have just started this over from scratch. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, um, I'm going to be looking at Maui a little more closely uh, soon. Um, yeah. It is, if you don't mind the subset of what's available out in the world, it's, probably the easiest way to get going with when you are three, honestly, I, yes. I, without a doubt. Um, if that, a weird if that's thing to say, want but to do. I think so. You're right. Well, and it, and it just speaks to where things are living now. I yep. mean, and I pressed exactly on that in the Donna rocks episode. It's like, who's using this and how are they using it? 
Like, right. And he, he didn't hear about any cases where it's like, we need to be on Mac and Windows and Android and, and phone. It's like, it's mostly iPhone, Android. Oh, yeah. I, I think the point of bringing it to the desktop is uh, there. there's some minority of use cases where you might want the app on that system. And it's like, you're this thing's a mobile app. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to, you know, here's some, we'll make some small concessions yeah. that can run on the desktop. Because it, it, the idea that, I mean, we, we as developers love the idea. I want to write this once and it runs absolutely everywhere. Yep. Well, that's the dream. But, but ultimately, that means you write it once and it sucks everywhere. That's right. Right. That's so right. You, it's got to be good at something. And, yep. and so if it's, a, if it's a customer-facing thing, it's got to be good at mobile. And it can be mediocre elsewhere. Just drive people to mobile ultimately. I completely agree. Yeah. Although I, you, I, you can't get away with not making a web client. And so the web client ends up being that's actually, the, de- the desktop product. Oh, okay. I was going to say that's the tricky bit in the Windows or Microsoft space because you know, Microsoft has Blazor and yeah. things that are called Blazor something something. But uh, and there's some interop there between Blazor and Maui, which is also another interesting <laughs> advantage yeah, of Maui. It's over. probably not ripe yet. Like that yeah. part's coming. Yeah, yeah, I'm um, still looking into this stuff, but it, it's, um, yeah, it has the feel of something that's going to be really interesting in about two versions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. And it's the norm. Um, yeah. I'm uh, On my docket is a show on Blazor United, which is part of .NET 8. That's right. And, and so, and that speaks to this whole idea of you know, what do I want to run on the client? What do I want to run on a server? Blazor United is yeah, like um, makes it. project reunion for, for Blazor. <laughs> it's like <laughs> what happened when Eastern Airlines and Western Airlines got together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how all of that pans out. But right. like, there's almost no reason to run these preview bits except for experimental purposes. .NET 7 is very, well, very good. Yes. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, .NET 8 will be a long-term, whatever they call One it. One of the LTS. Yeah. Long-term yeah. now meaning three Two years. years or three years. Three Two years. Three. Yeah. yeah. It's possible um, it might be longer because it's getting a lot of pushback for the rapid iteration. Yeah. So what are the other releases? 18 months? Is that? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, uh, .NET 6 ends in, is the LTS version, and it'll, and it'll end in November of November. 2024. And oh. .NET 7, which is not the LTS, ends in like May of 2024. Right. That's a little weird. Yeah. It's just like, it's, yeah, what do you do? And by the way, it's so not they like they every burst two years, into but flames. They support each for three every three years. Yeah. <laughs> so well, like, they burst every other one for three years. Yeah. Right? yeah. And they release every year. Right. So I, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I meant the long-term version every yeah. two years, but supportive every yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, it's interesting. I I was. Um, let me see where we are in the notes before I move on to this. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I'll just move on. So I I've been kind of going across all these different uh, developer topics and just examining, you know, doing short form things. I looked at WinUI three, for example, the Windows app SDK, and I'm always looking for answers. You know, in the Microsoft space, like we're, and WinUI three is interesting. It's hard. To figure out, like, how do you, how do I, I have an app, how do I get add WinUI 3 to it? Right. Um, that story is a nightmare. Like, that's, um, you go it might even be Maui. impossible. Yeah. It might just be impossible. Well, and, and it's because of the consolidation of the, of the various stacks. Like, you, yeah. you, you're better off going at it through Maui. Right, right, right. And I, I can't imagine too many people are going to start a new project in the Windows app SDK. Like, I feel like... No, the, the UWP stuff is all so threatened now Yeah, that he's just like, wait. I mean, yeah, there's so many... I think many... it exists basically just to migrate developers off of UWP. I, I mean, it is basically. UWP, but, yeah. you know... With... 
But this is versioning. I mean, when UI is essentially, you know, kicked out of Windows and is more like living in the SDK lands. Yeah. That that uh, that .NET 3.1 sort of created a safe place for it to live. And then now Maui scooped it up and say, hey, let me give you a single place to reach it all. I always, um, I try to re-implement my little notepad application in every environment, right? Just because it's uh, something I understand really well. And it is humorous to me mm-hmm. that using the default controls in the Windows app SDK, that you have, if you think about like a, an app like Notepad, of course in Windows 11 everything's curved. And of course, WinUI 3 writes to the default controls are all curved, everything's curved. Yeah. So if you have a little text box, it's you know curved in the corners like, like a search box would be in the start menu or whatever. Everything's a pill um, now. Everything's a pill. So that's that's fun. That's fun and everything. But think about like Notepad, right? So you have like a, a top of the app and you get a menu bar and at the bottom you have like a status bar or whatever. But in the middle you get this giant text box. And I can tell you what you don't want to see is curves. <laughs> On that text box, <laughs> and yet that's the default. You can fix that, yeah. by the way. You can get rid of the curves. But it's, uh, blame Windows 11 for that. Yeah. Yep. It's just the yeah the Windows 11 era we live in. Yeah. So, but the rest of what's in .NET 8 is language esoteric. Like it yeah. gets pretty specific. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, pretty far down, and that's all. This stuff's necessary for certain folks. It's going to make them really happy, but yeah, I wouldn't talk about them broadly. I, I li- also listened to your episode about um, functional programming in C Sharp. Mm, is Simon there anything Painter. related to that in .NET 8 that we know about? Or not is that, really. Not really. I mean, you're not seeing, well, a little. Are you seeing more of the streaming behaviors and things that are really great in F Sharp? Yeah. And listen, I got nothing but love for F Sharp. But that is a, a, a relatively small group of folks that need those particular features and are doing well with them. But you are gradually seeing certain aspects of what makes F-sharp great starting to appear in C-sharp to some degree. I mean, a lot of that stuff counts on functional reentrancy, counts on immutability, stuff that's not default part of C-sharp. Exactly. Although, as Simon pointed out, like, you can program C-sharp that way. Like, learning to work functionally changes the way you work in in, in C-sharp, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's one of the reasons to go spend some time in other languages and like, get some styles like that are useful. The idea of like, like looping on a like, uh, it, it's not yes, no, it's yes, no, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it's kind of an interesting concept. Um, well, that's just a preparation like for everything. It's a quantum computer, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. good. It's, it's, uh, that's, that's where I'm going to walk out the door. I'm, I'm going to be done when that happens. Uh, it's, get, so, it's, <laughs> it's all getting a little stranger. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah it's, I'd been meaning to do that show for a while. Right. Uh, part of it just being, you know, polyglot is healthy, and uh, <coughs> yeah, for sure. Yep. And, and that that styles matter. Like a lot of what we thought about in object orientation that was important had more to do with the oh fact that God. we had one core and only so much memory. Sure. And now that we have lots of cores and ridiculous amounts of memory, it's like right. you know what's more important? Reliability. Yeah. Not polymorphism. That's weird. Um, yeah, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> Does um. <laughs> Does OO have an impact on concurrency or? Yes. Okay. It, it makes concurrency extremely difficult. That's okay. why you end up with mutexes and, and flags. That explains is, a lot, actually. Yes. Yeah. Is the, the epitome of like a white lab coated technology. It's, uh, it's, it's it let's the, take the simplest possible problem and make it the most complex well, imaginable. In, <laughs> the, in the early days, you know, you know, when Alan Kay first proposed it with Smalltalk, it was different. Than what yeah. we're doing to then Java style OO. But small, yeah, small it was about messaging. Very functional, style, right? Yeah, it was about messaging really more than anything yeah. else. Yeah, um, and that's creating. Yeah, that's a, that's a, 
it's Immutable, often separate threaded. Yeah, yeah. It's off. It's often said that the OO we got is not what Alan Kay was. Oh, let me tell you, we got the OO we deserved. <laughs> we got the OO we deserved. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm glad the, the hoop is kind of. Yeah. Fading, well, not kind of. fading. Oh my God, the world has walked away yeah. from well, that. Jo- well, uh, no, you know, I look at Paul Holder, one of our great programmers in our uh, our club and uh, a very active member of our forums, and he's uh, he always does the advent of code. And he always uses objects because he's in Java, and it's very heavily well, Java. Okay, but, yeah. but and uh, I'm always yeah. impressed. I look I look at it and I go, Wow, Paul. Yeah, that's some, that's some, that's some nice. That's some nice message passing. <laughs> That's some nice oh polymorphism you got going there. Listen, I, I can handle I can handle function overloading. No problem. <laughs> yeah, that's that's um, pretty transparent. It's a multiple inheritance. Yeah, you know oh, polymorphism. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, all that no. stuff. The best uh, multi-threaded guy I knew uh, often started his lectures with. Listen, there's about four guys who really know how to do this, and three of them are lying. <laughs> right, right. No, but functional coding, on the other hand, lends itself well, does it not? Because yes. of immutability. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, but this is like, the right. stuff. Because right? every so, function is supposed to give you the same result with the same input, no matter what. There's no side effects, which, which is exactly way, what you is want. the problem with AI in a nutshell. Yeah. It's <laughs> all side effects. effects. It's all side right? effects. Right? Yeah. It's all side effects all the way down. <laughs> every time you get a no, different I mean, answer. Seriously, it kind of is the problem, yeah. you yeah. know? Yeah. It's we not thought it term- was turtles. Turned out to be side. It's effects. not. It's. I get. You know. That's. You know what. You actually, Paul. You might have hit on something because we expect yeah. computing to be deterministic. Yep. Mm-hmm. And well, listen, that's exactly we've what all AI used is. Computers not. enough to know that the the world of zeros and ones is should be perfect and never is. Yeah. But there is nothing less reliable. I would say that I bet you could feed the same query to the same AI and get a different. Oh yeah, yeah, time. true. You know, and that's that's, that's built not in. the way this is supposed to work. Well, but that's, you know, I mean, I think maybe we're living in a more fuzzy time. I mean, you mentioned quantum computing. Is the cat dead? I don't know. Black and white. You have to check. (laughs) Reality is a compressed JPEG. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think ultimately it may well be that von Neumann style deterministic computing is not the way forward. It's right. kind of the you know the massive pulp Let me ask you something. Of, if you're using math to figure out what kind of propulsion you need to get around a sun and then have it jettison you, need, you out of the solar system, then you need math. I think at that point that should be determined. I don't want that science to be behind it. <laughs> yeah, <not> fuzzy. <laughs> that should not be fuzzy. No, I yeah, don't. it's just uh, you know, just a personal preference. It's uh, interesting. And we, we already have multiple kinds of processors designed for different workloads. Right, right. Yeah, That's right. the difference between right. a GPU and a CPU. Right. CPUs are inherently deterministic, even when they're running non-deterministic processes. Right. And scalar computers are very well suited to multicellular computation. That's that works well when you're going to simulate neurons and Dude, make up lies on the search engine. Okay, like, you got to <laughs> you got to give me a second here. Well, and, and async awaits yeah. a great example of a language yeah. construct built for an object-oriented language, but so good it right. showed up everywhere. That's right. Oh my right. God, everywhere. It's in yeah. JavaScript. That's how you know it's everywhere. Yeah. Yep. Very What's interesting. There? I love these kinds of conversations, but I'm sorry uh, we took you down that rabbit hole, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, that's okay. That's okay. We are emerging. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. So this this one will uh, make a little more high level, and but it ties into what we were just talking about. So Microsoft just had a WinUI community call, which I never would normally listen to, but uh, Raphael watched it, and then he tweeted about it, and then I had to go and watch it. And basically what this team said was that they were uh, partnering with the File Explorer team to replace XAML islands inside of, and I'll explain that in a second, inside of File Explorer with the Windows app SDK. 
So I was like, wait, well, what the, what does that mean? What are you talking about? And um, basically the top part of the File Explorer application, which is the the tabs and the toolbar and that kind of thing, is today written uh, written to a technology called XAML Islands, which is a way to bring a WinUI 3 to a legacy application, which is what File Explorer is, right? Like a, kind of, it's probably a C++, I don't know what it is, but it's a, a legacy Win32 app. Um, this technology does not work well at all. In fact, I don't know of any successful implementations of it, uh, other than perhaps File Explorer, which the, the WinUI team said they had to customize in-house to make it work properly because it was so terrible. Um, so I find that kind of interesting. Now, the thing about Win, bringing Win, Windows app or WinApp SDK to this application is, actually, that's not possible either. There is no way to use the Windows app SDK with an existing Win32 app. So they're doing the same nonsense in-house that they were doing in XAML Islands. But I think this speaks to a, a, a problem they were having, which was they couldn't move forward with all this new UI they wanted to do. And so they're moving it on to the, the latest uh, stack that they have for WinUI 3. Yeah, I, uh, I'm surprised that XAML Islands became such a fixture. It, it yep. sure seemed like a temporary measure when they put yeah, like it together a, clerk, a few just years a, ago. Yep. Like, but see, the thing is, like, to, to my mind, I always, I always look, I mean, I'm always looking for the simple solution. Like, to me, mm-hmm. I should be able to have, like, a WPF app, right, which is this technology that debuted back in 2006 or whatever with Windows Vista. And you use XAML to create a UI, and it's a desktop UI. And I should be able to create a XAML file that writes to, I guess, reads or writes to whatever, to WinRT or to uh, Windows App SDK. And I should be able to plug and replace all of the little function calls out of my old XAML into my new XAML. And have, it should just work. And I should have a modern-looking application. Yeah. And that is absolutely not possible. Yes. <laughs> so, not today. As I recall, XAML Islands was put together in the post-Win8 fallout yeah. to build bridges between uwp and other apps yep and yeah and now that the xamels are consolidating like it became less and less rational the, the thing that the, the problem with it is there 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 is no market for a developer who has an idea to create a modern app that's only going to run on windows like that yeah. market doesn't exist no there is a humongous market of existing apps out in the world that were written in wind forums mm-hmm. or wpf I'll just end it there. Or, or uh, no, I should say also C++ and the Win32 API. Mm-hmm. And if you could give these guys a way to create a new front-end UI for all of the windows that they have in their application, do the back-end plugging into their already pre-existing functions or you know event handlers, whatever, that would be a wonderful thing to give people. When you remember and, there was that wave of tooling in the, in the you know, late uh, – in 2010, 2011-ish, that was all about wrapping up old Win32 apps and packaging them to be other things so yeah. they could be pushed into the store. And that, and that kind of faded away. Right. Um, right. But but it, that's also the time of XAML Islands, right? That was a modernization strategy for Win32 yeah. apps. But it just doesn't... I, I mean, look, the WinApp SDK is whatever it is. It's UWP is what it is. But, yeah. Uh, and Maui is whatever it is. And those things are fine. Mm. But... What I think what the world really needs is what I described earlier. You know, there's all these code bases out there. I want this thing to look normal and modern on Windows 11. Right. I don't understand why that's so hard. Yeah, because there's dependencies in code that are very old, right? 
So, I mean, I I'm, like I've been watching it. things like the Forms Recognizer and saying, how long before you can point that at a WinForms app and spit out a power platform app? How long it? is it before you can point a uh, GUI uh, tool at uh, WinAptic SDK XAML and have it actually show you a preview of what the thing's going to look like? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Now you're just talking crazy talk, Mr. Yeah, Throughout. Okay. Like, <laughs> now, I, I have to say, I like writing code to create UI. Yeah. Like, I like XAML. And, well, I think they, a lot of people and the only that. reason you ever question that is because there is the WinForms designer. But, right. it, it, but it's important to remember the WinForms designer is the anomaly. It hasn't worked for well, anything yes. else <laughs> anywhere true. else yeah. ever. Yeah, yeah. It never worked for WPF. It doesn't well, work it for Maui. It didn't work for Web. Anyone who yeah, but it's not usable. WPF yeah, gets rid they, of it. <laughs> they were trying to create a miracle. It failed. And they left it in the box so you can know they failed. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> But That's yeah, the, the first the, thing you do is turn it off. But. but that designer, which really goes, I mean, literally back to the early '90s, right? To, yeah. To 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 Gates's vision this of, is, of yeah, safe way to build Windows apps. You know, it did. But they tried to, you know, that's also the that was the claim of front page, and look what it made. Like it, yeah. it's hard to generate code that isn't horrible. Well, especially when you don't know what the resolution or scaling yeah. of any display is, and blah blah. It is, yeah. It, it, well, it gets it, harder as things, you know, as UIs improve, it gets harder and harder. And this, you know, we when they wanted to do the high DPI version of WinForms, they did it for .NET three one in the Win SDKs, and they said it's not going to be pixel perfect, and we're not going to let you just import it. You have to jump through some hoops right. so that you look at your screens because pixel perfect is impossible. Yeah. Still the dream. Yeah. You know what? Like I said, it's going to be easier to redo those apps in, in a new tool set. I know, which is like really right. not. It's just such a terrible message. Like if it's an like, internal app bound to Windows machines, yeah. you know, it probably should be a Power Platform app. But I'm a heretic for saying that. But that's interesting. The way that thing's licensed, the what it's designed to do, it's a better answer. Hmm. And I, I, the question now is do you spend the time building an importer? And if you ever watch the forms recognizer do its thing on paper forms, like it'll freak you out. It's pulling, it's reading that form, pulling out name value pairs. Like it doesn't take that much. That's not a much of a leap to simply say, now ain't that a win form screen? Like if I literally snapped, took pictures of all of the screens in a win forms app, right. printed them out on paper and fed them to the forms recognizer, I'd be in the same place. <sighs> well, I know that there's uh, WPF and WinForms are now kind of community supported. I suppose it's not going to happen, but maybe, maybe I don't know. There must be some modernization efforts occurring somewhere. They're not, I mean, they're not really community supported. They are part of the Win SDK. They are folks still working on it, but the energy's in Maui, for yeah. better or worse. And and you know, yeah, well, if I'm wearing my enterprise architect hat, and and the team wants to be, is greenfielding, super rare. You know, today's a tough day to call that because Maui's not right. It's not. It's and everything it doesn't else is have old. all the same level of control support yeah. that you get across these other. Things. Yes, so, on Windows. And so, I mean, if it was really about if it's a so if it's Windows, we're probably going to keep building websites. Maybe maybe Angular, maybe React. Like that's probably what we're going to do. That's because, what Microsoft's doing. Maybe that should be a clue to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, although I, the, the built-in apps in Windows 11 are in a, a, a curious bouillabaisse of different technologies, mm -hmm. but depending on what you built ones, them, yeah, the the modern ones are often 
Well, they're WinUI 3, but I, or, or WinUI, I should say. Actually, I don't know if it's yeah. 3, but they're WinUI. If they re-implement the desktop apps for Office in Maui, then you'll yeah. know. As they sh- as they probably should have done with they WPF well, you know, in they like tried, right? 2007. I mean, pre-Maui, but they, they tried to do, do the uh, the Metro thing with the Office apps. Yeah, that went, that went well. went poorly. Well, they were told you weren't going to have to window worry about iOS and Android because Windows 8 was going to dominate the whole landscape. God. Phone, tablet, and PC. What a dream. Yeah. The dream is real. Remind me what happened because I, I don't remember was a, that happening. There was a, lar- <laughs> what yeah. there what was a large unhappy noise. Yeah. And then, <laughs> right. And then suddenly and then the Stanford sound. had a new entrepreneur in residence. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you want to do an Xbox thing, Paulie? I do. I do, do it. Do it. So Microsoft went to Europe and uh, defended their attempted acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Um, I, regardless, they, I mean, whatever they had to say, right? Who cares? Except for two things. <laughs> they announced a deal. They, actually, they finalized the deal to bring Call of Duty to Nintendo for 10 years, which is hilarious. And they signed a deal with NVIDIA to bring all of their PC Game Pass games to GeForce Now, hmm. which is basically them saying, look, we're not proprietary. We're not, we're not unilateral. Like, we're going to, you know, we're going to make sure stuff is elsewhere, right? This is the message you're sending. We're not Sony, I think is what it really is. Um, I didn't write about this, by the way, but Foss Patton, uh, Patton said two reports that Sony visited Microsoft uh, sometime in the past week. And the way that these reports came about was people started seeing Sony private jets at SeaTac, and people started following cars around and stuff. You wow. know when and, Sony's uh, visiting because it's a gaggle. No, yeah. it's not one. It's like yeah. a small group, and they're very tight. I know this because Sony visited Tech TV when they were looking at buying okay. us. And it's yeah. it's all they're on black suits, white yep. white shirts, black ties, and they stick together. And they, and what they, they should do is leave the airport in like 12 identical Escalades <laughs> and have them all go in different directions, you know? And then Gerard they Butler going. jumps out of the airplane. Oh, no, that's another story. Yeah. <laughs> it's Which one of the Escalades has the minigun? What, exactly. <laughs> what do you think uh, Sony was saying in this visit? I I don't know. I mean, I like we'll I, drop the, the, the uh, but see, it's not up to them to point, drop. Yeah, it. is there a point at which these two companies talk and Sony says, "Okay, yeah, we but accept your terms. even if so, well, can Sony then go to the EU and say, I, "Call off the dogs"? Apparently, Sony is writing their. Like, I mean, right. like Sony just says uh, stuff, and it becomes like a regulator concern. Uh, I mean, it's astonishing watching the world tripping over themselves to protect this company. Uh, yeah, but they may well dominance. be writing a. They, they may well be writing a brief saying. Hey, we think um, uh, Microsoft owning this is a good thing. Well, that would, that be would quite take a the wind out of the EU sale, I would imagine. It yeah. sure would. Yeah, it sure would. But that's uh, and that's how I, you do I, that. I, but I, if you're the, but I gotta say, if you're an EU commissioner, you're not gonna drop it because that makes you look like you're a Sony henchman. Well, so, that's been the problem all along, right? Well, that's that, true. <laughs> you are. Right? Well, by the way, okay. <laughs> at a time when. The, when the public is not impressed with government as a whole, yeah. government this has is, to look like it's doing something useful. Right. So I, I've been kind of impressed by, like, I've made the case, like, I don't understand why the FTC, a, a U.S. regulatory body, has even listened to a Japanese company. Yeah. Not right. to be xenophobic about it, but that's strange to me. But I will let me provide you with the genesis of every single EU action against big tech that has ever occurred. Tiny company from Europe goes to the EC and says, 
They're beating up on us. Could you do something about it? And then they do. They do exactly what those guys wanted every single time. Sony is not one of those companies. No. Sony is a gigantic (laughs) Japanese tech conglomerate. Which, by the way, participates in exactly the kind of exclusivities. Yes. Yes, it does. It makes me wonder if Brad Smith didn't send a letter to Sony saying, here's what we're going to propose to the EU. That all game companies over oh. a certain size make oh. sure all games are available oh. on all platforms. Oh. Or, or you the could just let us have Call of Duty. Oh. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. And then and I, they flew over and said, uh, no. Uh, Is there a company that has done uh, more harm to independent game developers in Europe than Sony? No. I don't, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I but so. I bet Sony's near the top of the list. Yeah. The, the, the preferential treatment they're getting around the world is astonishing. You know, it would be like the U.S. government defending Microsoft against Netscape. You know, like, I, 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 this, I, this company is going to put you out of business. Do you need some help? Yeah. Um, you know, like, it, it's crazy. But that's what's happening. So, you know, we'll see. Anyway, people always ask me, looks like there's a lot of opposition to this thing. You know, you think they're going to give it up? You know, they're going to lose this, right? And it's like, I, honestly, if they stick with it, I think they win. Yep. I got to say, though, and I probably have said this before, at some like at what point do you just say, you know what, this isn't worth it? Like from Microsoft's perspective, what are they fighting? Like what are they I don't even I've lost track of what the point of this is anymore. Yeah. Like what's the market opportunity here? More Azure consumption with yeah, World of okay. Warcraft. Ugh, I don't know. It's such a mess. Well, and now and now well the fact that Brad Smith was there. Yeah. Like, what's the chief counsel doing there? Like well, this guy, come on, the the next uh, representative from the district of <laughs> whatever. I mean, this he's doing what he always does. Yeah, he's just standing on a stage in his blue suit. I don't know. That's his. That's does, his does Brad have political uh, aspirations? Oh yes, yes. Oh, I think his next job will be a politician of some kind. Hmm. Interesting. So when I move I mean, to Seattle, he'll be my member of Congress. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Congressman Smith. Okay. Okay. So just two two more More, small stories. So last summer, uh, there were rumors and then news that Microsoft was doing the obvious and bringing its Game Pass uh, subscription service into a kind of a family plan, right? This sounds really obvious. Um, Sounds like a great idea. And the idea here is that you have a, you know, just like you have with uh, Microsoft 365 family, um, you have some adult who is, you know, starts the account and then they can share it with like five people. Uh, preferably in your family, although it's called friends and family, so it could be other people as well. They have to be in the same country. Sounds great, it could right? Just be friends. Just my it could friends. Be friends. That's oh, that's good. Yeah. This is you know, take that Netflix. You know, uh-huh. whatever. Okay, yeah. fine. They launched it as one does in uh, Chile and Scotland. No, I'm sorry. Was it Chile? Uh, <laughs> it's kind of it's random. Chile, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, I was what? Chile, Hungary, Israel, New Zealand. South well, these Africa. are the new countries. Oh, Chile's okay. a new country. I'm sorry. Right. It, I'm sorry. It was Colombia and Ireland. Okay. Oh, close, okay. Close in big, September, big launched, market shares. Yeah. Sorry, it launched in those countries. Now, now, like you said, I'm sorry. It's Chile. They've added six new countries. So Chile, right. Hungary, Israel, New Zealand, South Africa, and Sweden. So uh, not where you live, but <laughs> some other places. Like, and you know, Microsoft gets ripped on for good reason for often going U.S. first and then maybe the rest of the world, maybe not. Like Cortana was a good example of this. Cortana picked up a lot of capabilities in the United States that never, ever never came anywhere, anywhere else. else. Yeah. yeah, and that was a big problem for people in those other places, as it would be. Um, they seem to be overcompensating for that with this thing. Um, but Or is it low-value markets to test it? I think that's exactly what it is, yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the, the, the pricing varies by... 
country, and I don't live in any of those countries. I can only imagine. Well, I can just look, I guess. Um, I'm sure it's fairly expensive, but that's fine. Okay. And then uh, I made this kind of offhand comment. You know, Microsoft usually, most months, has two drops or two announcements of Game Pass titles across cloud, console, and and PC. Uh, One at the beginning for the first half of the month and one in the middle for the second half of the month. And this month, I noticed the second announcement was really early. And uh, sure enough, they have a third announcement. So despite the fact that this is the shortest month of the year, Hmm. uh, Microsoft has a third set. Although, actually, two of the games are going out on the 28th, and then the other two are coming on March 2nd and 3rd. So I guess it bleeds into the next month. So uh, four new titles, all of which, no, not all, but most of which are on console, cloud, and PC, one of which which is only on console and PC, and none of them... I've never heard of any of them, so whatever. F twenty two, F one twenty two. It looks like a racing game. Uh, Whoa, long fallen dynasty, <laughs> Soul Hackers two, and Merchant Blade. So, anyway, if you're paying for Game Pass, you get more. more. Yeah, it keeps mm. I did hook up my uh, Xbox Series X to my mm. brand oh, new yeah. seventy seven yeah. inch Samsung. Is it? QD OLED. We're like the character in Doom is the same size as a normal human being. Yes. Icons the size of your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How it's, is it? It's beautiful. It's a super. Yeah. It's the brightest OLED uh, ever made. You, did so, you do Flight Simulator on this thing? Not yet. That's a good idea. Oh, I have yeah, it on the Xbox. That. I just played uh, Harry Potter. Uh, download like one of those nice, uh, like country or region That's packs where idea. they do the high res. Just leave it and running stuff. in the background. Oh man, yeah. You Honey, should do a trans We're flying like to Dublin. Mm-hmm. When? Right now. Right now. <laughs> Come on in the living room. Honey, we're in a flat spin and about to die. <laughs> I'm at the Honey. I'm at the control, so we're gonna hit the Sphinx. See Mount Kilimanjaro? It's getting closer. <laughs> I've uh, never been able to fly under the uh, Eiffel Tower, but it doesn't mean I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop, do stop it. trying. I'm gonna do yeah. it because you ha- you and what plane do I have to do it in a Cessna? Yeah, there's 747. Not a lot of room under there. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of room. You're not going to do it in a 747. <laughs> that would be pretty fun. Zoot alors! It is he crazy. He's trying to fly under the Eiffel Tower. back. No, it looks gorgeous, and it, you know it's it's yeah. um, 144 hertz. It's designed for gaming as well as watching yeah. TV. What did um, you uh, What did you play, or what did you look at? I'm embarrassed to admit because I you're not supposed to buy this, but I. Okay. I did, uh, yeah. you know her, the you know Hogwarts revisited or whatever it was. Um, <laughs> that's that's it. I'm done. I'm out of here. <laughs> Screw this guy. You're not supposed there to give is. any money to J.K. Rowling ever again. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's already been paid. Now you're just punishing developers. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank Hogwarts you. That Legacy makes me feel better. Hogwarts Legacy, yeah. which is actually not a great game, but you know I have a soft, mm. soft spot for Harry Potter. Yeah. Right well, how does kids. it look though? Is it good? It's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a good. Yeah. It's a good game and monitor, 77-inch, 444 yeah, hertz, yeah, yeah. and they have a gaming mode and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, it's, it's How far a, back do you have to be, though, for this to even well, make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like in I'm, the next room? I'm sitting on my, sitting on my beanbag going, it's only... Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, it's like when you're sitting in the first row of the movie theater, and yeah, you're like, yeah, this yeah. is... Like, I'm not here to watch a tennis match. You know, I gotta... Uh, it, it's quite nice. I'm very happy with it. It replaced a much larger projector, uh, but yeah. it's so much brighter and, and it looks so sure. much better. The only challenge is, and it's not for gaming, it's just for watching TV, 
Sony, or not Sony, Samsung uh, hides the high frame rate setting. <laughs> they, you know, they, for a long time they renamed it. They don't even use the name they use anymore. You have to really kind of know what you're looking oh, for. Oh, I've owned Samsung smart TVs, but trust me. Oh, it's, they're terrible. I, I believe oh. it's a game. Yeah, and I hate the smart TV <laughs> thing, too, because yeah. it's always trying to do Samsung's version of all this stuff, and I don't want any mm, of, of that. Because I, you know, I have my own streamer devices and so forth. Do you sign into your Samsung account on the TV? Oh, God, no. I hope not. Maybe I <laughs> that did. That was the right reaction. Good, good. God, no. Just checking. <laughs> oh, my God, no. Uh, but you they know, know who I am anyway. The matter. smart apps aren't going to update themselves. Yeah. That's all I'm That's saying. one big Samsung Galaxy you got there. Yeah. Well, I have the new S23 Ultra, too. And right. supposedly, you're oh, uh, able to calibrate the TV using either an iPhone or the S23 camera. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I never, I haven't gotten that working yet. So I'm just going to have Scott have you Wilkinson cast from the phone to the TV? Uh, yeah. To yeah. The TV. It's easy. If you, yeah. I mean, it has all these, yeah, it has all, mm -hmm. you plug in, it has a USB port. You plug it in it says, all right, you want to watch, you know, sure. stuff from there. And yeah, you can cast from the phone. It's, there's all sorts of very wow. nice features. It's uh it's very, you know, if you're in the Samsung universe, uh, it's Galaxy, very nice. They don't Galaxy. support uh, Dolby <laughs> HDR, which is the better HDR. So I have to do everything HDR 10. But it does look good. And when people come in and see so it's it, like Dolby Vision, Dolby, yeah, whatever. We were watching The Last of Us. Lisa says, "Do we have to be in the room with them?" <laughs> it's a little. You know, it's you know, it's a dystopia, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, they're, we're right in there with the big fungus, yeah. and uh, yeah. Sure. So it's not. Um, so, but that's why I had to turn off high frame rate because it really does feel like. In fact, we were watching The Empire Strikes Back, and I said, yeah. "This is the dinkiest, dopiest set I have ever seen." <laughs> and then I realized, oh, it's upscaling it and doing it in high frame yeah. rate. Not and, to, and then the, the the great scenes where they're standing in front of a matte painting. Yeah, yeah. It's like I see the painting. I was watching Andor, yeah. and I did have to turn off the high frame rate because it just looked cheesy, to be honest with you. Wow. That's and as crazy. soon as you turn it off, it looks more like a film again and all that. Right. But, right, right. You know. Wow. That's yeah. neat. It's uh, digitally generated backgrounds have a frame limit. Yeah, right? yeah. It's a Mandalorian uh, can you style set it volume. To use different frame rates for different types of content, or uh, possibly. Just, I'm not going to say you can't, but I yeah. did look for that, and I think it's. Yeah, you could leave it on for gaming, but turn it off. Yeah, it has a gaming anything. mode, and I presume that the main point of that is to uncap because right. you know I'm not getting anything higher than 60 frames from any of the stuff I look at. But the games, oh. yeah, they'll be going up to 144. Yeah, this sounds like something I'd program into Home Assistant so you could just walk in the room and say, okay, I want to yeah. play a game. Yeah. And it switched exactly. everything, if, changed If the you plug rate, the so. Xbox into the external box that the Samsung comes with, it knows and it says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah this is a game, and it'll do all right. that automatically. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Good. Okay. It's a, it's interesting. Um that it's external beautiful TV. is what got destroyed when lightning hit my house a couple of yeah. years ago. Yeah, I forgot that Samsung does that with their TVs. They don't want, and that's, yeah. that's I actually kind of like that. They have one yeah, cable coming off the TV, and, and it's yeah. flat. You can put it on the wall, yep. uh, and then you have this box. Yeah, hmm. I'm very happy with it. It really cool. looks good, and it is fun for gaming to be yep. <laughs> to be in the front row of the cinema, as they mm -hmm. say. All right, before we get to the, you're done with the Xbox, yes, yes. Yep. Before we get to the back of the book, can I just put a plug in, brief plug? We were talking earlier, and I think this is the tie-in here. We were talking earlier about link bait and how a lot of the content we get now um, in, in pretty much every tech publication is very link baity. Uh, and that we don't do that. We can't do that because of the nature of podcasting. <laughs> it doesn't lend itself 
Unless I put a thumbnail of me going ah on the front of the uh, of the thing, we don't do that. We try to put real content uh, in there, and and yeah, it takes a little bit more engagement from you. Uh, I think that's the way to go. I think it makes us a more trusted source, but it also makes it much more expensive to produce, and if we don't get the traffic that a site like you know CNET or The Verge is going to get. That's where you come in. You can help support what we do here at Twit. By joining Club Twit, seven bucks a month. I'll tell you right up front, seven bucks a month. There's no discount for a year. You can buy a year at 84 bucks, but there's no discount. There is a corporate discount if you buy a, a bunch of uh, subscriptions for your company or your, 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 your family or whoever. Um, but the idea is that that money goes right into our general fund to pay for the lights, the staff, the podcast. It gives us a little cushion, which is important, especially as podcast advertising starts to dwindle so that we can develop new shows. I really do want to do This Week in AI, but, you know, it's not going to have any advertising support for months, if if ever. It gets support from Club Twit. That's why we launch new shows in Club Twit, like Hands On Windows with Paul, Hands On Mac with Micah Sargent, The Untitled Linux Show with Jonathan Bennett, The Giz Fizz with Dick D. Bartolo, Stacey's Book Club, and go on and on, lots of special events. The Great Club Twit Discord, which is a social life all to itself. It's wonderful. I've made some really great friends in there. You will, too. Uh, you also get the Twit Plus feed, which not only has those additional shows, but ad-free versions of all of our shows, plus stuff that happens before and after uh, the shows that don't normally make it into the podcast. So we think it's a, a very good package for 7 bucks a month. But the most important point to make is it keeps this content on the air, keeps us creating new content. And your support means the world to us. If you're not a member of Club Twit, go to, and I know you're not, because if you were, you wouldn't be hearing this. Go to twit.tv <laughs> slash Club Twit. We cut it out for the club members. You'll never hear this again. Twit.tv slash Club Twit. Please sign up. Uh, it really makes a difference. It keeps us f- alive, frankly. Uh, and we appreciate all the support we've gotten so far from so many great members of our club. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Leo Laporte here. I am the founder and one of the hosts at the Twit Podcast Network. I want to talk to you a little bit about what we do here at Twit because I think it's unique. And I think for anybody who is uh, bringing a product or a service to a tech audience, you need to know about what we do here at Twit. We've built an amazing audience of engaged, intelligent, affluent listeners who listen to us and trust us when we recommend a product. Our mission statement is to to build a highly engaged community of tech enthusiasts. Already you should be, your ears should be perking up at that because highly engaged is good for you. Tech enthusiasts, if that's who you're looking for, this is the place. We do it by offering them the knowledge they need to understand and use technology in today's world. And I hear from our audience all the time, Part of that knowledge comes from our advertisers. We are very careful. We pick advertisers with great products, great services, with integrity, and introduce them to our audience with authenticity uh, and genuine enthusiasm. And that makes our host red ads different from anything else you can buy. We are literally bringing you to the attention of our audience and giving you a big, fat endorsement. We like to create partnerships with trusted brands, brands who are in it for the long run, long-term partners that want to grow 
with us. And we have so many great success stories. Tim Broom, who founded IT Pro TV in 2013, started advertising with us on day one, has been with us ever since. He said, quote, we would not be where we are today without the Twit Network. I think the proof is in the pudding. Advertisers like IT Pro TV and Audible that have been with us for more than 10 years, they stick around because their ads work. And honestly, isn't that why you're buying advertising? You get a lot with Twit. We have a very full-service attitude. We almost think of it as kind of artisanal uh, advertising, boutique advertising. You'll get a full-service continuity team. People who are on the phone with you, who are in touch with you, who support you from with everything from copywriting to graphic design. So you are not alone in this. We embed our ads into the shows. They're not... They're not added later. They're part of the shows. In fact, often they're such a part of our shows that our other hosts will chime in on the ad saying, yeah, I love that. Or just the other day, one of our hosts said, man, I really got to buy that. (laughs) That's an additional benefit to you because you're hearing people, our audience trusts saying, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, We deliver, always over deliver on impressions. So you know you're going to get the impressions you expect. The ads are unique every time. We don't pre-record them and roll them in. We are genuinely doing those ads in the middle of the show. Uh, We'll give you great onboarding services. Ad tech with pod sites that's free for direct clients. Gives you a lot of reporting. Gives you a great idea of how well your ads are working. You'll get courtesy commercials. You actually can take our ads and share them across social media and landing pages. That really extends the reach. There are other free goodies, too, including mentions in our weekly newsletter that's sent to thousands of fans, engaged fans who really want to see this stuff. We give you bonus ads and social media promotion, too. So if you want to be a long-term partner, introduce your product to a savvy engaged tech audience visit twit.tv slash advertise check out those testimonials mark mccrary is the ceo of authentic you probably know him one of the biggest uh, original podcast advertising companies we've been with him for 16 years mark said the feedback from many advertisers over 16 years across a range of product categories everything from razors to computers is that if ads and podcasts are going to work for a brand They're going to work on Twitch shows. I'm very proud of what we do because it's honest, it's got integrity, it's authentic, and it really is a great introduction to our audience of your brand. Our listeners are smart, they're engaged, they're tech savvy, they're dedicated to our network. And that's one of the reasons we only work with high integrity partners that we've personally and thoroughly vetted. I have absolute approval on everybody. If you've got a great product, I want to hear from you. Elevate your brand by reaching out today at advertise at twit.tv. Break out of the advertising norm. Grow your brand with host red ads on twit.tv. Visit twit.tv slash advertise for more details. Or you can email us advertise at twit.tv if you're ready to launch your campaign now. I can't wait to see your product. So give us a ring. Now, I think it's time for the back of the book. And that means Paul Therat's tip of the week. Why not? Why not? So we don't talk about Twitter too much on this show, but what the heck? Let's talk about Twitter for a second. <laughs> so <clears throat> Twitter uh, revealed this past week that they're going to take away the ability to use text messaging as a 2FA solution on the service unless you pay for it, which reminded me no one should ever use that 
<laughs> capability ever on any service. So uh, the recommendation here is obviously you should be using 2FA or two-step authentication, whatever, on all of your online accounts, especially the ones that are related to identity, right? Your Microsoft account, your Google account, your Apple ID, whatever. But um, if and you should, but you should enable 2FA or whatever the solution is on any service that supports it. Um, don't do it through text messaging. So um, don't pay Twitter uh, ever for any reason, but uh, certainly not for this reason. And if you are using Twitter, and you should be using 2FA if you are, uh, just switch to an authenticator app um, like the Microsoft Authenticator app or whatever. Yeah. If you are, if you're trying to set that up on your phone, mm-hmm. it won't recognize Microsoft Authenticator as a valid authenticator. Oh, really? I thought yeah. I just... But if done. you do it, if you tell it you've got, if, if you try to do it in the phone app and it won't, and it doesn't detect Google Authenticator, it'll just go, hey, I haven't got one. But you can no. do it separately on, you know, do it on a laptop, on your, on a computer, set it up and then tell it you've got Google Authenticator, the codes yeah. will work. Okay. Right. You just have to jump through the, I do have it in Microsoft Authenticator, but I'm not, I don't remember how I did it. Yeah. <laughs> so. you, just, you did it manually against your yeah. machine. Okay. It was, it was some time ago. But yeah. yeah. I, I set mine up with a FIDO key because I've got yeah. FIDO oh, there keys. You go. Okay. Which, by the way, yeah. So you're using the more secure authentication anyway. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like I like to have things more more likely to lose with me at all times. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Yeah. This was a weird thing, but I guess it costs them money, right? Twilio or whatever they're using. Uh, So it makes sense for them to say, "Well, only if you're giving us money." (laughs) But it's you don't you shouldn't be using it anyway. I took it off. Twitter didn't used to let you take it off. If you had two factor at all, you had to have a phone backup. But about three or four years ago, they said uh, you could uncheck that. And so I haven't had SMS-based TFA on Twitter in ages. You shouldn't have SMS TFA for anywhere. Any, uh, yeah. You know, most yeah. banks still require it because they don't want to yep. support you if you, you know, I f- well, can't figure uh, it out. How do you guys feel about using uh, So obviously with an online account, you might have different methods, right? Um, so the prime, is it acceptable as a tertiary backup? Or is it just never acceptable? Well, what I, I'll tell you what Steve says and what I say, which is the the level of security you have is only as good as the worst security you, you're using. Yeah. So if you use two-factor with SMS on anything, the bad guy is going to default to that if he wants to and simjack you, and that's that. So you shouldn't have it turned on at all on anything, even as a backup. It's I the weakest link. I occasionally get a Microsoft Authenticator uh, prompt on my phone uh, mm-hmm. when I'm not doing anything. That's not SMS, <laughs> you know? though. That's right. That's uh, no, no, push. I know, no, no. I know that. I'm sorry, uh, but I mean, but you could get an SMS notification as well, right? I mean, but I guess the pro- the po- the problem with that is that these things are being intercepted, and hackers can more easily simjack. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. the point is, yeah. just don't do it. Is the point? The point. Yeah, that should be the point. <laughs> that should be the point. If you, if point. you can possibly avoid it. Yeah, no. please avoid it. Yeah, it's not worth se- it's not worth eight bucks a month. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, say, yeah, pay yeah. eight bucks a month so you can be less secure. It doesn't yeah, seem like no, a great solution to me, but yeah. I guess that's Twitter twenty twenty three. So, <laughs> <clears throat> all right. So I've been kind of uh, the app pick this week is something called Crayon, and because uh, you know AI, it's the A is AI and Crayon because God help me, I'm sorry, but <laughs> I, I've been using these things to uh, try to create graphics for this uh, YouTube channel I have with my wife. So. Last week, I talked about some of the images I created of, like, paintings of Mexico City in the style of uh, Frida, Frida Kahlo. Frida Kahlo. Yeah. yeah. Oh, neat. And uh, interestingly, on Crayon, if you, uh, if you enter the term Frida Kahlo, it, um, 
makes pictures of her, which, and she's not the most attractive woman in the world. So no. I she also uh, did make paintings of herself. Yeah. Yeah. She's it's a, uh, we know what she looked like. Yeah. Uh, she's the, uh, the inventor of the unibrow. Mm. So I, um, I, I don't think she invented it. I, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But I, she, she certainly she, uh, popularized it. We'll give you that. She's the most famous purveyor of yes, unibrow. There you go. <laughs> um, so I threw a couple of images into the, uh, discord of some of the images I created. And so what I did was I just, these are just like, uh, paintings of, Mexico City in the spring, like oil paintings, uh, that kind of style. So they're actually, they're nice. I mean, uh, it's, it did a nice job. And actually, I like the uh, kind of size and, and shape of these images better than uh, the ones I was creating with uh, Dali. But, but you are able to customize Dali. These are actually quite, quite nice. Yeah, they're nice. Yeah. Uh, you, can, you, you have to you pay to do You showed us the Eternal Spring advances. ones last week, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think you showed us the Frito Kahlo. No, I didn't. I never meant to make. I, I, so the, the 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 query I used was in the style of uh, Frida Kahlo, right? And uh, when and I did result, that on, you got Frida winking at you. Which well, is I, these cool. aren't. I didn't make those. Someone oh. else put those in. Oh, oh the, I'm the, sorry. The, those are the gifs. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, like these are nice. You know, Salma great. Hayek did play Frida Kahlo. That's right. She did. Something. Yeah, right. and it, it couldn't be two women on the more opposite ends of the spectrum than those two. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> so but yeah. And I think it was the, uh, her husband, Diego Rivera, is uh, – what's that guy's name? Uh, yeah, Diego Rivera. Yeah. No, but the guy – the actor who played him in that movie was the guy. Oh, was, was it part. Antonio Banderas? Antonio Banderas? No, it should, it should no, have been. It should have been. Fantastic. Husband, yeah. No, it was uh, – Or something. The guy was Doc Ock in the original Spider-Man movie. Oh, yeah. I love him. Yeah. Uh, God, his name's right at the tip of my tongue. I'll think of it later. I'll think of it as soon as the show ends. Whatever. Anyway. Yeah. It's a good movie. Anyway, I've just been kind of plowing through these AI services. I'm really interested in this. Speaking of which, Leo. Yes. Uh, I wanted to use MidJourney. Okay. MidJourney, you have to actually join through Discord. Yes. Hmm. Is this something that is, uh, can I do this on Twitch Social or how does that work? Oh. <laughs> okay. Let me, sh- let me show you how Discord works, Paul. So yeah, it's- Please do because it is really complicated. <laughs> it's a chat uh, client. But you yeah, and no, you I know this is here. Here is our club twit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But notice, I have I, some other icons. I also am in a Valheim Discord. I am in yeah. a Lisp Discord. I am in a podcasting community. And wow, there's Mid Journey. Well, so uh, the thing is, I have the Mid Journey. So you're in here, right? Looking at people. Yeah, I have that. Okay. Yep. So that oh, you want to know how to pay for it? Is that what you have to do to use it at all? Well, you can right now. Okay, so. Like, how do I use this? <laughs> okay. So there is a section which I would recommend reading uh, <laughs> called How Do I Do This? Uh, no, I love that called? this has turned into There's a help. Well, well this on. is what I always do with you. So uh, I always ask you how that works. Where yep, is it? Okay. When you first join, they say read this. But basically, yep. it's you do slash image. Mm-hmm. And then you type the prompt. Oh, and then you, say, oh, and you just do it right in the Discord. Yeah. Side. And that's what's both the blessing and the curse of MidJourney because – so you join but a newbie's I, I, channel. Okay. And the blessing and the curse is the blessing is you see what other people are doing. You see the images they're getting and you see the prompts they're using, which helps you get better at it. The, you know, the curse is everybody sees the stupid stuff you do. Mm-hmm. So uh, – but everybody else in there is a noob as well. So, um, yeah, this is valuable. And then – but somewhere – and I don't see it now. Maybe it's under – there is a whole help section telling you how to do this. Uh, it's in there somewhere. When you first joined, it said, read this before you 
join. And of course, like any good user, you just jumped right out of that. Might be in announcements. Hi, everyone. I don't know. Somewhere there'll be, you know, read this and it describes how you do everything in there. I don't know where it is. Maybe rules, terms of service, community guidelines now. Yeah, no, I, I, Alfred Molina. I, mean, I got, I got it to appear in the app. Alfred Molina. <laughs> Just couldn't figure out how to make yeah, it. Yeah, so you're so you're now it's one of your Discord channels. That's what's over here on the left. But you have to read the thing. It's basically slash image and then a prompt. And then you you only get a certain number of them so for I, free. And yeah, then no, and then it'll say, Well, you want more, you're gonna have to pay for them. Uh, Alex Lindsay pays like the top dollar, which is fifty bucks a month, but he does all sorts of stuff in there. It's amazing. But mm. I just I, so like uh it's not clear like like where I'm going in this channel to do like even to enter stuff. Like it's you go into newbie. It, I, well, again, if you'd read it, you would you would okay. you would know. All right, all right. <laughs> is that two RTFM? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, I would say. Would I be being paddled now if I was in the room with you? <laughs> they, uh, you could go into office hours and ask, but I think they'll just tell you you should. Uh, let's see. Go to home, the official server. These newbie channels are where you do the slash imagine, okay? You don't do it in here. You do it in the newbies because you're a newbie. Obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then yep. Um, yep. I keep, there's one of the channels in there is – is. Uh, it has to, this message. It's like follow to get this channel's updates in your own server, but that's no, not – No, 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 no. You don't need to do that. You just want how to use it. Oh, wait a minute. I'm open up. Oh, there we go. Okay, it's under info. The reason I didn't see it is because I had info collapsed. Hashtag getting started. <laughs> Read oh, that. <laughs> All right. I will bother you no further. <laughs> Read that. This is the start of the Getting Started channel. Welcome. It sure is. And it tells you how to do all, how to create an image. Go to one I'm sorry, not image, imagine. Shows. I should have said imagine, not image. Okay, so I started, I gave you the wrong thing. Uh, and then it shows you how to get variations and upscales, um, right. how to pay for it if you want more. So this is all in the uh, in the uh, welcome to. <laughs> I found this curiously difficult. <laughs> Did, you know, people complain about Mastodon. Somebody was saying, right. "I can't." He said he was in our Discord channel. He's in a club. Yeah. Said I can't figure out Mastodon. I said, "Dude, you figured out Discord. You, you, yeah. you're way." This is way harder. <laughs> I get ripped on when I tell people that Mastodon can be a little intimidating for people because, you know, with an online service, you typically type in your email address and some password you want you're in. And on Mastodon, you got to do some work, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, a little I, work. I, I it's do, not I do think horrible. that's a little more intimidating for most people. A little people, more but, work. Uh, it's not, yeah, look, thank goodness. No, no, it's I'm not, not saying Twitter. it's insurmountable. I'm just yeah. saying, you know, it's not the normal experience. No. Well, it's so not for like a normie. If, if Twitter is the normal experience, it's not Twitter. I agree. Yeah, it's not, no, no, it's super not just hard. Twitter. I mean, anything like you could join hard. anyone today could join Facebook in 10 seconds if they wanted to. Uh, That's Mastodon true. It's a little more work. Yeah, because. You know? uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Because it's so it's many not different. A, it's servers. not a complaint. It's just an observation. But, servers, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, our servers it doesn't quite good. really matter which one you pick. It, I'll tell you, it does a little bit because that's your community, right? So the local yeah. feed is the people that you are in the, on your server. On that server. So if you join Twit Social, that's all Twit listeners. So that's right. a different kind of community. If you're a lawyer, you should join a law server. 
Paul should join a server for idiot savants. I mean, it's just you should join the server. <laughs> just straight up idiots. You, you belong. You just say it. It's fine. I don't you, care. You can follow anybody on any other server, but the, the local feed is always going to be your current server, which is kind of – I mean, I you don't even have to follow anybody on your local server because you're going to see all their posts in local. So home is – the home feed is the people you follow, like a Twitter feed. Local is the people on your server. Federated is all the people who are on your server that they follow, including yours. So it's it's not everything, but it's everything followed by people on your server. So you do want to join a good server with people who are interested in the outside world and, you know, because that way your federated feeds better as well. You're right. It's way too complicated. <laughs> Twitter was complicated when it first started, though, I think. It's not, and not you especially what? difficult That's what to everyone switch says. servers. I hear yeah, you, you can switch but... servers. It's very easy to switch servers because you can take all your followers with you. Um, if you are Some listening to this show, you are realistic in... pictures of Christina Kirshner as a goddess. You are now in mid-journey. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. If you uh, are listening to this show, you're welcome to join Twit Social, our Mastodon instance. Uh, I do approve everybody to keep the spammers out. Just go to twit.social, uh, sign up, and make sure you mention that you heard it on Windows Weekly or that you know you know Paul and Richard. Because if you just say, I'm getting out of here, I'm getting out of Twitter, I'm not going to let you in. I, you need to show you listen to the show. That's all. That's how we keep it uh, kind of friendly to people like you <laughs> and me. Would you like to uh, – you did crayon, so I think it's time for Run As Radio, Mr. Richard Campbell. Yes, sir. So uh, this week's show is with Michael Niehaus, one of our favorite folks, super smart. We were talking about migrating to Windows 11. And again, this is very much from a sysadmin perspective. So uh, what you're looking at is by uh, October of 2025, Win 10 goes into extended support. And that will start off probably being about 50 bucks per year per machine, then up to 100 the following year, maybe 200. I'm, I'm following what they did with Win 7. So they went into extended support. And so those numbers add up pretty quickly if you've got a shop full of machines. So this is the big push to say, hey, it's 2023. You got about two years. You get to work on uh, on Win 11 for your for your company. And uh, that's really what Michael and I ran down was just like, okay, what, what's the deployment look like? What uh, What's the move look like? Do we really want to do this with replaced hardware? Are we going to migrate in place? Like those are all the things that we worry about. Nice. I, I yeah, have run as part of this episode. I will finish it, but I was interested uh, to hear him sort of admit, you know, you look at the stats for upgrades on Windows 11 in the enterprise and it's not compelling, non-existent. Huh. Well, and, it, and it, I mean, it, it's the old service pack thing right off the bat, right? Like it's like, yes, I'll wait for a service pack before I do a thing. And then, uh, but that's now happened. And then it's also group policy issues. It's, you know, I have something that works, and you want me to do work yeah. to uh, <laughs> switch to something different. Like what? Why would I break something that yeah. works? Yeah, it is a. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it's a good truth. And Michael's such a uh, a straight man on all of this. He's very deadpan, and uh, but and very wise. And so, but plus, it's easy to fall in the trap of we do this with configuration manager or it's only new hardware with autopilot It's like, look, my MDT Microsoft deployment toolkit works just fine. Just right. some extra steps, some extra scripts. You'll, you can get it done. So you don't have to spend money on it. Run as radio.com for Richard's mm. fine show. 
Thank and you. now let's do some liquor. <sighs> let's get liquored up. So I have been building up a set of notes to walk you through the whiskey creation process mm, mm, mm. and then also introduce you to whiskeys that I think are profound in that process. Okay. So we, sh- uh, we should start at the beginning and that's specifically with barley, right? Barley is the grain used to make beer and to make Scottish whiskey. Uh, other whiskeys other elsewhere in the world often use a blend of grains uh, with bourbon. It's typically corn, barley and, and uh, rye. Uh, the the Irish will do whatever they want. Uh, <laughs> As usual. <laughs> it's it's wild what, what you can find on a mash bell for an Irish whiskey. Uh, but in, in, look, there's a lot. Barley is not that popular a grain anymore. It's one of the ancient grains, right, originally found in the Fertile Crescent, uh, is uh, part of the branches of all of the grains. It was one of the earliest to, to, to break off. Um, but it uh, it it was didn't respond as well to... Um, to to baking, like barley based oh, breads, right? Don't, uh, right, don't taste very good. No, they're very hard um, and yucky. Yeah, yeah. Where, where wheat did respond well, and so then, and then when you get into the engineering of of food um, during the with the the Green Revolution, wheat also adopted to far more areas, and so now wheat is grown everywhere. So the yield on barley is relatively low. Um, it is a relatively expensive grain to grow. But for certain products, specifically beer and Scottish whiskey, it does very well. And so there's about over 5,000 strains of, of barley in the world, but only 10 are approved for Scottish whiskey. Mm. Uh, it's specifically a kind of uh, barley called uh, Hardium Dishcon, and it is what's called a two-row barley. So there are also six-row barleys. Uh, and that's basically how the seed structure goes together. Six-row barley is uh, commonly grown in North America, and most American uh, beers are done with six-row barley uh, as the uh, the seed crop. The two-row, um, they get very precise on on the kind on the good barley. It, it, this comes down to it matter. The, this whole idea of terroir, which is a French term, really they typically apply to wine, but terroir for barley matters a lot as well. They look in, in whiskey making for very high starch counts and really low nitrogen content. So this is a bit to do about fertilizer, a bit on growing areas. And so typically only the sandy soils of the eastern part of the UK grow barley particularly well, which is an important problem because whiskey has gotten very popular. And so the UK cannot grow enough barley for the demand uh, that exists in the business. And so the vast majority of barley today is, is, well, some still grown in the UK. It's grown elsewhere, but there's only a few companies that do all of the barley works for the distilleries. And so barley works being grow the barley, malt the barley, which is sprouted to turn it into sugar, dry it, and then grind it to grist. Uh, and so most distilleries just buy uh, the finished grist, ready to go into the wash. And we'll talk about that stuff on another show. But there are a few exceptions here and there. And that's today's whiskey. Today's whiskey is the Macallan Estate. Now, Macallan is a very popular space side whiskey. I've drank plenty of them over the years. I have had an opportunity to taste this particular one at one of my very favorite whiskey bars in the whole world, the Quaish at the Craigalachi in the space side. Um, it is a 
fairly expensive whiskey. It runs about three hundred U.S. dollars, uh, and it. But the distinct part about it is that it is grown from barley, literally from the Macallan estate. Hmm. So the Macallan does have a bit of growing grain, and they use it to. Uh, they actually send it off to a grister, so someone who actually does the malting and the gristing and so forth for them. But uh, then they distill it. I found it tastes very much like Macallan eighteen for about twice the price. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So it's uh, a deal. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> so, but it really begs the question, why Why would you do this? And yeah. now we get into sort of the reality about an awful lot of whiskey is that uh, when, you, when you have a whiskey aficionado, you're trying to get them something special. Yeah. And something One of special a kind. would be, yeah. this is a whiskey that's literally from barley from the McAllen estate. And that resonates with some folks. Sure. And you pay a substantial premium to make that true. Yeah. It's 85 uh, proof also, which, you know. Yeah, it's about, that means it's been cut with water, right? Because okay. it didn't come out of the barrel at that number. Right. I only drink barrel strength from now on, cask strength, because well, of you. Because uh, of you. Well, you know, I'm a bad influence in many different ways. But uh, <laughs> to me, and I, if I, as I go through this set of stories, I'm going to always bring you to a whiskey that is an exception to the particular stage. So there are different ways to do malting, and I think there's a few of them that do very cool ways of malting. There's a few different wash techniques, and there's, I think there's some cool ways to do that, uh, and so on. So if you like this, I'll, I can keep going into this kind of space. It's just I'm very interested. In I, yeah, I encourage our uh, listeners to uh, write and email and let us know, but I think it's a fascinating subject. Um, yeah, and, and you know, it's crazy to think there's 5,000 different kinds of barley now, mostly because humans have messed with it, and, but only a handful <laughs> wow. of them are yeah, but, ever used for this. I mean, right? there are that many different kinds of labradoodles now, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once upon a time, there was only a wolf. Every other kind exactly. of dog you've seen, yep. people made, right? <laughs> yeah. 30,000 years of messing with canine genes. So yeah. your recommendation would be to try the Macallan 18 instead of this. But if, yeah, if you want a really nice sherried space side, mm, sounds good. For, for about $200 US, you could buy yourself Macallan 18 okay. and wow yourself. Okay. Uh, again, right. a lot of money for a whiskey. If you want to, that, that's the kind of, that's a first drink whiskey. Yeah. Try that. If you're going to have whiskey that do that, the first drink, and then, then you, you can, can step down. Can drink some Everclear sure. and you'll be fine. Yeah. And eventually, <laughs> usually like, when people start drinking, that's not when they make the best decisions. No. <laughs> you're right. That's the, the right way to do it. Start with the good whiskey, not end with the good yeah. whiskey. Yeah. Now, I, I, I just was a, a weekend away with a group of tech uh, friends, and one of them produced a 24-year-old Glenn Morangi from 1998. Oh. And uh, we polished off that bottle in two days. Yeah. And yeah. that is abuse of a very good yeah. whiskey. That's the first sherried whiskey I ever had was Glen Morangi, and I was impressed. Glen Morangi, yeah. yeah. Really it's, impressed. It's lovely. Yeah. And the 24-year yeah, the, the was stunning. Mm. But, uh, yeah, that's about the year I had, but it was in 1998. So, you know, it was a little, it wasn't old. It was a little younger. It was tan. Yeah. And the the miracle when we talk about whiskey, and I've used this line before, is like, what's amazing is that Macallan 12 tastes like Macallan 12 every year. How do you do that? Right. And that's, it's a combining of barrels. Remember that the 12 means that's the youngest thing in the bottle. Right. There may be olders to get to the quote-unquote flavor profile they're trying to get to. And for the most part, 
barley has been stabilized. They tend to only use one particular species of barley. They have very specific uh, characteristics to it. It's only when you get into the malting and the gristing phases, which again, we could talk about later, that you get a recipe that's specific to a distillery. They do make a Macallan 18 cask. Triple, sure. triple cask. Yep, just I, hard to find. I might try that someday when yeah. I don't have anything to do the next day. Mr. Yeah. Richard Campbell. Runisradio.com is where you'll find him and his podcasts. It's so great to have you on the show, by the way. I really appreciate the developer and enterprise angle you've brought to the show. Cause, uh, I'm glad. I'm having a real fun time. Good. On. And next week's going to be interesting because <laughs> I will be in New Zealand. Oh, all right. And, uh, but I have a long layover in the Auckland airport between my flight in and my flight down to Queenstown. Okay. Where I am officiating a wedding. Oh, nice. And so I thought I'm, I might find a little corner there where I could set up the rig and uh, talk to you all from I can't a wait. seriously <laughs> jet-lagged state. Rockland. <laughs> That's where Trey Ratcliffe lives in uh, Queensland and uh, mm. Queenstown. Well, right? the, fa- the family farm is outside of Taronga, and I'm going to spend some nice. time with them as well. Nice. Oh, but first, the wedding. There. Very nice. Richard, thank you for being here. Paul Therott is at therott.com, T-H-U-R-R-O-T-T. Dot com. Uh, join uh, as a premium member. You'll get all of those great articles he's written about programming windows, which are apparently soon to be part of a larger book, which will be published at leanpub.com. That's where his field guide to Windows 11 lives now uh, with a soft uh, center of a field guide to Windows 10 right in there. Uh, and uh, center. <laughs> it's the gooey car- caramel center. Uh, yep. You can choose your price, get the greatest book on Windows 10 slash 11 out there uh, every week they join us whether from the auckland airport or from their homes in lower mccungee valley and coquitlam bc uh it's about 11 a.m pacific 2 p.m eastern time on a wednesday uh, that would be 1900 utc for the next couple of weeks anyway and then we go back to summertime and i'll i'll warn you about that when that happens um you can watch us do it live at live.twit.tv you can also uh, chat with us live if you're watching live at irc.twit.tv or in the Club Twit Discord. After the fact, on-demand versions of the show are available from the website, twit.tv slash www. There's also a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Windows Weekly. Might be Windows Weekly Show. If you go to youtube.com slash twit, all the shows are linked there. The YouTube's great YouTube if you... YouTube.com slash Windows Weekly. Just Windows Weekly. Okay. Yep. Is there a dash or just one word? Nope. Just okay. one word. Uh, that's a good place to go if you want to share a clip because that uh, YouTube makes that very easy. And then people can get a link to the whole show and find out more. Uh, and, of course, if you subscribe in your favorite podcast player, that's another way uh, to get it. Marco Armet, who wrote one of the most popular podcast players, Overcast, is going to be our guest on MacBreak Weekly next Tuesday, by the way. Yes. Kathy Gellis is coming up to talk about the Supreme Court arguments. She's just left the court and will be on the show with us momentarily for this week in Google. So stay tuned for that if you're watching live. Otherwise, we will see you winners and dozers next week on Windows Weekly. Bye-bye. Ciao, man.
Hey, I know you're super busy, so I won't keep you long, but I wanted to tell you about a show here on the Twit Network called Tech News Weekly. You are a busy person, and uh, during your week, you may want to learn about all the tech news that's fit to, well, say, not print, here on Twit. It's Tech News Weekly. Uh, me, Micah Sargent, my co-host, Jason Howell, we talk to and about the people making and breaking the tech news, and we love the opportunity to get to share those stories with you and let the people who wrote them or broke them share them as well. So I hope you check it out every Thursday right here on Twitter.